welcome to an episode. Christine, what episode number is it? 131? Yes! I was testing your short-term memory. Oh. Because I realized... I that out of nowhere. Mine has gotten really bad. I don't know if this is a, just a thing that's happening to me, to other people. No. My memory... I pride myself on having a very good memory like me- remembering okay well i have to do this task and this task and then this task nope sorry done yeah, you, you Can't turn do that. around and you remember two of the three mine is very specifically tied to one bathroom task and that is applying deodorant weird yeah like i keep like walking out and then I'm like wait a minute i didn't put deodorant on and as i do it i'm like i'm pretty sure i put deodorant on and i'm like i don't know but what if i didn't i, ca- I can't risk not and i've done Honestly, that like better safe than sorry Always. For, for other people more than myself. <laughs> Although at this point, it's not like I'm close to anybody. So really, it doesn't matter so much no anymore. No one will know. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I don't know about you, but there are like those habits that you start to let go when you're not subject to being around people you don't know as well, like farting, you know? Oh, no. Everything, I'm the same. No. Well, well, then you are much more respectful <laughs> than I. I won't I go on about my even, I hadn't even thought of stuff like that. I mean, oh. I guess. Oh, you know what, though? And I was talking to um, some folks who might listen to the show about, about this on, on the Twitters, about how, like, I'm just, like, way more confident <laughs> when I go out. Like, I'm wearing whatever I want. And yeah. I'm, like, just walking. I don't know what that is. I don't, I don't, I don't know. Maybe you like, finally, by having time with yourself, you finally come to understand how great yourself is. Aw, thank you. It's weird. I'm like, mm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to wear this jack-o'-lantern sweatshirt out in the middle of May. Yeah, you Fuck are. Fuck you, guys. Mm-hmm. And Just... I'm going to wear shorts and I'm not shaving my legs. Deal with it because you shouldn't get close enough to know whether I shave my legs. Yeah, I don't know. I guess I just don't care anymore, which is nice. It, it's freeing. Uh, And that is what our episode today has that same loosey-goosey feel, because we're just going to talk about all the (laughs) shit we've been watching. Uh, And I believe, I mean, we last recorded one of these types of episodes back in March. March 26th was our Eve's Bayou episode, episode 130. Mm -hmm. So it has been a good almost two months since then. Uh, two months in which we've both been home more so than we normally would. For for me, probably less so than you, because I'm still going to work, but not as much. My hours are shorter. The can't do anything on the weekends, so it's been a lot mm-hmm. of movies and TV and stuff. Um, I think that you would be surprised how few movies I watch. Fascinating. <laughs> I I will say I will say. Let's talk about how much Amazing Race I've watched. Go for um, it. I am so I'm done with Amazon stuff. That is to say, once my Amazon Prime runs out, I'm not doing it again. But that's like December, so like here okay. I am talking about what's streaming. I was gonna um, say then. So, you, then I got a list for you because there's a lot of stuff. There's a lot of gold yeah. on Amazon Prime. I gotta, I gotta dig. I gotta dig. Mm-hmm. But like, so there's like seasons one through twenty nine or something of The Amazing Race Jesus. on Amazon Prime. Wow. I definitely don't recommend going that early before it's in HD just because like mm. for re- it just n- doesn't watch as well it's kind of hard to see some stuff sometimes but anyways you can plenty of plenty of HD seasons I will say I like reality competition shows I do know mm. um, occasionally they can be like fun and like affirming and good like they don't always have to be catty bad. Like, and like yeah. the bad version of reality TV that people often like to point to um, 
it's I think the reason why we've we've dug in so hard on it is because it's like they're going to different places and doing things and we can't sure. do that. Yeah, it makes so sense. I've heard a lot of people are actually watching old episodes of Survivor that way. I could see which, that. Which I guess I get, but Amazing Race for me is a little bit more. I think like, the, less the beach drama. aspect too. Like I was supposed to be on a beach vacation this week and I can't. So when I see beaches on TV, there is this oh, sense. Yeah. I totally get that. So if you want to watch, if anybody wants to watch The Amazing Race, there's a lot of seasons available. And they bring people back. And so they do an influencer season. And there's like an all-star season. So it's it's like fun and easy, easy. And it takes your mind off things. I get it. I get it. <laughs> so that's the, that's what I've mostly been watching. And then there's like a, a smattering of movies. <laughs> Um, so I'm trying to figure out how we should do it, because I kind of, because mine, my list got so huge that I broke mine up by, like, genre. Whoa! You're really going for I, it. I, you know, because otherwise, then I have this giant list, and I'm like this, oh, but wait, but this connects to that, and this connects to that. So I, I tried to organize my thoughts a little bit more. Um, but TV-wise, well, let's, let's start with TV then. So, okay. you did, you were doing Amazing Race. I would say my junk TV has been... Um, not junk, because RuPaul's Drag Race is not junk, but I went back to Hulu and watched the first, I guess, six seasons are on there. Mm. Uh, then I watch, I've been watching, um, America's Next Top Model seasons one and two, and I'll keep going, because it's relaxing in its own way. Uh, but then other TV on Hulu, you have Hulu? I can't remember. Um, I think we have somebody's Hulu login, or maybe not. I don't know. Um, you liked The Favorite, right? Yes. Yes. Then you yeah. should watch on Hulu. You should watch The Great. Okay. Uh, so The Great is the series on Hulu. It's ten episodes. I'm hoping it comes back for a second season. It's Elle Fanning as Catherine the Great and Nicholas Holt as her husband Peter the Not Great. Yeah, that's I I I've seen people talking about this. It looks really good. I think you would enjoy it because it's it's very similar in tone and humor to The Favorite. It's one of the writers of the favorite is the guy, <laughs> mm. you know, running the show. Uh, Nicholas Holt is a revel. He's so good. He's so he's so <sighs> good. I do not know why people don't put him in things where yeah. he's allowed to be good. He needs to be in everything. His because what he's doing, he's playing um, kind of like you know a very petty, uh, very dumb, very cruel emperor. Who, but the way he manages to make you care about him but constantly still hate him what he does i think so well what the show does you get to see him through the exact eyes that Catherine sees him where mm-hmm. there is this hatred turned into mild respect turned into a little bit of affection and all of these things and you see it and you are completely kind of seeing what she sees and it is brilliant. Elle Fanning's really good too, and she's somebody that I think I've never um, given much to. I've always she, kind of thought like she's oh, very like, good. Like yeah. she's good in things, but she's never I think as great as some of her peers. But she's really good in it, and has a, a tricky role in many ways. But it is it's so funny, it's so body, um, it's really a good time. So I I think it's a good like escapism too right now. Mm. Um, I, I cannot speak highly more highly of it. Uh, and also TV-wise, on Shudder, now, I know a lot of people like to watch lighter things during this time. Yes, and then that's kind of where I'm at. <laughs> yeah, and I'm a mix of that. But then I look on Shudder, I'm like, oh, Wolf Creek Season 2, great. 
And here's the thing, because um, we, a couple of us were talking on Twitter about mean horror and about, mm-hmm. especially because we were just, obviously we just did season one of Masters of Horror, which was such an era of torture porn, um, found footage, just this whole, you know, you didn't make a good horror movie if it wasn't rated R and ended with your protagonist dying. Like, it was just a thing that we did in the early 2000s. And Wolf Creek obviously came out around that time and was the prime example of that, but was done pretty well and had certain kind of tricks up its sleeve that it, I think, has a, a had a good legacy. And yeah, I like Wolf Creek. And you like, and the sequel I know you really like. Oh, I think I do, right? Yeah, yeah but that you did right. not watch the series, is that right? Mm-mm. So the series, I think, is fascinating because on one hand, I forget the name of the director, but like Greg McLean, that's it. I think like I want him to do more stuff other than Wolf Creek, but clearly he has still kind of like James um, DeMonico with The Purge, like mm-hmm. he's still really interested in this and this character and what he can do with it. And so, and the TV show of Wolf Creek has been really interesting because season one, I thought was was strong, was very focused. Um, it gave him a worthy adversary. It didn't feel overly cruel in some of its tricks. And season two, like on one hand, is kind of meaner because it's just kind of about a busload of tourists. Uh, he decides he's going to kill them. He strands them in the middle of the outback and then just hunts them down. And so there is obviously this this awful aspect to it. But I think what's been really interesting about watching the progression of that series from from the second movie to the TV series, that it's it would be very easy to throw in a lot of torture, a lot of rape, a lot of just crap. And it suggests it without pushing it. And somehow there is something, I think especially in season two, where you don't get the same level of cruelty that I've become really used to from a season of Masters of Horror. There is, like, it's not just women being mutilated. For the most part, most of the violence seems to be more focused on the men. Um, The women overall tend to be stronger, more, like, uh, capable characters. Uh, So it's it's really interesting, because I think... It's a great example of um, this genre that is, and I mean the specific subgenre that is usually something that's very hard to defend to somebody who is not a fan, who looks at it and Mm -hmm. says like, oh yeah, horror is just about, you know, abuse of women and all this. Because you can take this and you can be like, no, watch it carefully and you're going to see things, like see what they don't do that they could do. And I don't know, it's, it's... it's interesting to me. It is so it is so dark and so violent, but yet there is clearly a line that has been drawn that I think is really really um, respectable. Maybe hmm. are both seasons on Shutter? I think they are. Yeah. Um, I would could, I would watch that. I I'd be curious for you to do so. Um, I think and honestly, I don't think you need season one to watch season two. Interesting. Um, they don't really connect in any way. They're they're two very standalone stories that are still about Mick Taylor, mm-hmm. um, and I mean John Jarrett's having a blast doing his thing, and it's just it's it's different. And I think it season one is is very much it's about this um, like teenage girl who was with her family in Australia. Mick Taylor tries to kill all of them, doesn't realize she gets away, and she happens to be like an Olympic caliber decathlon athlete. 
So she says, I'm just, I'm going to find this guy and get revenge on him. And that's, it's, so it's, he's kind of the hunted in, in that season. Oh, that's interesting. So, and it is. And like what it does with her and how it lets her grow and kind of make mistakes and all that. I don't know. It's intriguing. So I'd be really curious for your point of view. Again, it's dark shit. Terrible things happen. Yeah. There's a lot of violence. But I feel like it's, it's in the line of Wolf Creek 2 in, mm-hmm. in where that line is drawn. I mean, it's so hard to say, like, I... Like, I don't, this, the X thing in horror didn't sit well with me because, like, I still like the genre. Sure. And I still like dark shit. And I still, I personally write dark shit and read dark shit and like to watch. But, like, I think there's, like, a, I've reached, like, a threshold or at least, or at least watching that last season of Masters of Horror I did. Yeah, I get it. Where, like, there's, to me, there's a difference. There's a line. Like, I know what makes me feel gross and a lot of that stuff made me feel bad sure. but like i don't i'm not like bad people and violence exists and and horror and like slashery stuff is a catharsis because you know you know it helps people work out different things like i find a lot of value in that so like a hundred percent that sounds good and you know that i am one of the few people that liked the scream tv series so like i, I like when watch. things it's so good at least the first two seasons are it's so good but I like when you kind of take an established genre or motif or theme and like or character and kind of let's put it over here and see what happens. So it really is up my alley. I don't I think when you first suggested the first season, I I pitched it out there into the world and we just never got around to it. Um, I think they're both on Shudder. I don't know. I'd I'd be I'd be curious what you think. (laughs) Look, I'm running out of amazing races. (laughs) There you go. Um, all right. How about documentary? Is that any more TV? Have you watched? I will say we started. I, so we have now a lot of we're like sharing logins mm-hmm. to a lot of different things. We've gotten to that point in this in this whole mess. So <laughs> I think this is on HBO. It's um, the show called Run with, oh, Merritt, with Weaver Merritt Weaver who I adore. and Donald, Donald Gleason. Mm-hmm. It's very good if you have HBO access. I think it's HBO. Yeah, it's airing on HBO now. So if you have HBO okay. Go, you you will be able to yes. access it. I kept you no, know, I debated. I don't know why I just don't record things like that and then go with it. Because it, as soon as I saw her, I'm like, oh, I'd watch her do anything. Oh, and, she's so good in it. Yeah, she's oh my everything. god, she's the best. She's so good in it. She's so likable and empathetic, and also annoying and hateable. She's perfect. She's so good, so good. And it's got like a female showrunner, I believe, nice. and a lot of female talent behind it. And you can tell just mm. by the structure of the way they're telling the story. Is it's got like a different point of view, and the humor in it is really good. It's very engaging, and it's only half an hour an episode. Oh, I didn't know that. Then I'll just probably watch all of them at once. It sounds like so it zips. It's nice. so good and. And Donald is so wonderful. He, I, I will say, if I had to pick modern actor careers that I adore, mm. I love his choices. He's his choices are great. He's always delivers. He yes. seems to do weird shit, which I really appreciate. And like, this is different and awesome. And he has he has his accent in it, and it's not like <laughs> I'm gonna do an American. Act. It's like very. It feels very real. I don't know. I like it a lot. Nice, nice. I will give it a try. So, yes, that is my, my non-amazing race TV <laughs> Good, good. Um, I've caught a couple of documentaries, so I'm going to run through those now. A lot of these are on Hulu. Please feel free. I have not, wa- I have not watched anything of import, so go for it. 
Um, I don't know how, you know, I say these range. Um, so did you, oh my God, did you know about this thing called the Fire Festival? And did you know they made two movies about it? Oh, Emily, <laughs> I was obsessed with, is this a joke? Yes, Are you joking joke. with me? I'm joking. I, I love the Fire Fest. Are you going to talk about Fire Fest documentaries? Yeah, I watched both of them. And I did, Are, so, yeah. the Hulu one's better, right? Yes, I watched that one first because it was one of those, like, I, I had hit a kind of point of, like, <laughs> I'm out of stuff. And I'm, like, I've done so much, like, writing on, like, movies that I'm, like, I can't even keep watching movies and writing about them. Like, it's, it's so far out. So I'm, like, oh, let me just throw on something in the background. And so I'm, like, oh, I think everybody said the Hulu one was, by everybody, I mean you. I'm, like, I think she said the Hulu <laughs> one was better. So I turned that one on. And I was, like, so, like, oh, my God, I want to learn more. So then I watched the Netflix it's, one it's, the next day. What about it is so captivating? I do not know. I, know I told you I was I was on Twitter as it was happening. Like I saw the oh, Twitter yeah. pictures of the sandwich. Like I was like, what the <laughs> fuck is going on? What is happening? And I remember spending like just hours going through the hashtag and then the next day reading all the articles. And I was like, this is my favorite thing. And I don't know why. <laughs> well, you know what I think? Here's here's one thing I throw out about it is that it is the epitome of this could never have happened at any other time. This is happening because it is 2000 and what was it, 17? And this is the way this, not this, like, it sounds really old for me to be like, this generation, like, I don't mean that, but that this is like, you know, what's the the other equivalent I can think of is like, I don't know, Woodstock? Like, as far as, in a weird way, generation defining? But there, there is a monetization and a commodification of Firefest that wasn't wholesome and inclusive, sure. like Woodstock, or at least seemed Which to be. Which is what, like, the Scheidenfreude aspect is so delicious because you you can't just sit back and not laugh at these people. I didn't revel in their misery as much as some people. I saw desperate kids yeah. trying to fit in. I mean, obviously there were some rich assholes like in any bunch of people but it just felt like like young people getting taken yeah and i didn't i didn't like that like well, so people like knowing that the guy that's heart. taken them got his comeuppance makes it Ooh. much more watchable oh oh and and like ja rule and his isn't it ja rule <laughs> it's ja rule. he's yeah. fine ja, yeah ja rules and being involved in it and oh my god oh my god i love it so much i wish they would just make a new documentary every month about <laughs> Yeah, I, I'm with you. Like, I didn't think I wanted to keep learning, but I do. Oy. And the ne- Netflix one had, was like vice produced. Yes. And and it had a, de- agree or disagree, it had a definite bias. Oh, it did. Well, because especially when you start with the Hulu one, which is very much also saying, was it Jerry Media, I guess, or Fuck Jerry, whatever it was. Yeah. Like, look, they knew what was going on and they're all, um, you know, they're complicit culpable. in it. Yeah. And then the next one is produced by the same company that's producing their stuff. So, yeah, suddenly it's no, 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 it wasn't us. Yeah, we we were we were talking about it from the beginning. We said this was a bad idea. It's like no, you really weren't. So, yeah, I agree. It, the Hulu one hit like a week or like a week early or something, a week before it, and it definitely painted a picture. And you were like, huh, yeah. all right. And then the Netflix one felt like, all right. I feel like maybe you're not giving me the whole story. A little more here. sponsored content, if you will. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, so fascinating. Very fascinating. Um, other documentaries on Hulu. There's a Margaret Atwood documentary, uh, which 
um, I, I've always been a huge fan of her. Like in high school, I was reading Handmaid's Tale and just was, she's been my favorite author probably since then. And so, and she's a fascinating woman who's lived a really interesting life. Uh, the documentary, I think it's called A Word After a Word. It's okay. The problem is it understands that a lot of people are, people are only watching it because they watch The Handmaid's Tale on Hulu. Yeah. So there's like 20 minutes devoted to The Handmaid's Tale on Hulu, which you really don't need. Like, tell me more about your life in the 70s and all of that, because that's what I want to know. Tell me more about yeah. your marriage, which is really interesting. Like... So it's kind of, I don't know, if you're a diehard fan, it's worth it. But I think then you're going to be more frustrated by what you don't get. Yeah, that makes uh, sense. Yeah. Um, on Hulu, there's, so I'm like flipping around, just adding documentaries to my queue. And I see one called Roller Dreams. I'm like, oh, a documentary about like Roller Boogie. Cool. Thinking it's going to be a lighthearted, you know, just going to be oh, no. all that. So I learned a lot in this documentary. <laughs> I did not know. Did you know, basically roller boogieing, um, I don't know if that's the term for it, but it's the term I'm going to use. Uh, basically was born in Venice Beach and like many uh, uh, culture was appropriated by white people. That it really was like breakdancing. It was something that black people and people of color were doing at this beach. And it was, you know, they were the best at it. They made it popular. And naturally, white people took it and also then said, oh, also, you can't do this here. You can't do it anymore. Yeah. Yeah. And so it's... (laughs) I mean, checks out. Makes sense. Very much. Very much. uh, That, you know, the same people that taught Linda Linda Blair how to do it, um, then especially... And it is, as a cultural history, really interesting because it's something I don't think of much, how basically in the 90s when gangster rap became kind of where kind of like the main thing that people thought about when they thought about black culture um and so if you were roller skating to music suddenly it became that music and that's what was scaring the cops and the white people and so after the Rodney King riots and all of this it basically became no you can't roller skate here this is this is dangerous no it's not and so it's it's actually really kind of sad. Um, oh. It's I mean yeah. I don't know if I recommend it. It's it's interesting. I it's I learned something I didn't know. I feel really bad about that in in a way of wow I I never even thought of this. Um, and it's it's entertaining just as a educational thing, um, but also kind of depressing. So I don't know if it's what you need to watch right now. Um, also on Hulu is. <laughs> Um, a documentary, it's only like 48 minutes, called Sharp Edges, which mm-hmm. I had always heard of. And I'm flipping around and I see this come up and I'm like, <gasps> and Brandon's like, what, what's wrong? What's wrong? I'm like, oh my God, this is the Tanya Harding documentary oh, before yeah, she, yeah. Anybody okay. knew who she was. Yeah, in 1986, I think, um, Tanya was 15 and a um, film student. Uh, and I, I, they don't go into how they kind of met and like why this film student chose to do this, but it makes sense. Basically, she made a short documentary about this young figure skater who, you know, came from a poor background in a sport that is not about that mm-hmm. and how um, her coaches are trying to get her to, you know, present a certain way. And so it is just a snapshot of Tanya Harding at the age of 15. Her mother is in there with a bird on her shoulder giving a talking head. Um, anybody that is a fan of Tanya Harding and or, you know, hey, if you saw Tanya Harding and loved it like you should, um, it is worth just watching because you see 
I mean, it's it's sad, of course, because you're watching and you're like, oh, the, this girl had so much potential and the world just wasn't there for her. And so obviously she made bad choices. Um, but it's it's fascinating and it's watchable now and it hasn't been for a long time. Uh, and then on Netflix, I watched a documentary that I know you watch because you told me to watch it. Moving Parts. Oh, yeah. my I made my mom watch it, too. Yeah, it's really good. <laughs> It's really good. Yeah, it's the Trixie Mattel, just kind of follows Trixie Mattel, the drag queen, for, I guess, about a year, kind of, between stuff. Um, and it, anybody that is a fan of drag needs to watch it. Uh, it's, it will give you a lot of, lot more respect, if you didn't already have it, for Trixie and for the art of drag and what she does and how good she is at it. Yeah. It's hard it's to really watch good. at times. Yeah. It's, it's upsetting, mm-hmm. especially, like, oh, so the cool thing about it is it, it is a very much a snapshot. Like I know exactly when in time it yes. was filmed because of the things going on. I'm familiar with all those things, but it also is upsetting to see uh, Katya not in a good place. Yes, yes. And, and like yeah. visibly not in a good. It, it's upsetting. It, it, I mean, it gives you kind of a snapshot of what addiction at its worst is, if you yeah. will. Because you have somebody who, and I mean, they have since made up. They're working together again. Um, but somebody who hit her bottom, and when she did, she took it out on somebody that didn't deserve for it to be taken out on. And you see that, and it's it's ugly. It's it's not pretty. Um, and, I mean, Katya is one of my favorites, and it was hard mm-hmm. to watch that. But Yep. Yep. Um, all right. I have a bunch more now into different genres. <laughs> uh, I'll keep it separated there, and I guess uh, jump in when you have something. Does that work for you? Yeah. All right. So in the, in, in the genre of action... Oh, Jesus. Um, action. Um, so a lot of these are rewatches. Like, I would say, like, 75% of what I watched have been rewatches. But, um, so as, I guess action, I watched Birds of Prey twice nice. again. I still have not but, watched it. It's like my, one of my new favorite movies. Um, I didn't rewatch Charlie's Angels again, but I thought about it. So that'll happen <laughs> soon. I um, feel like um, Birds of Prey is going to get that um, uh, ultimate. Ultimately, it's going to be one of those, oh, everybody slept on it. I, I, I think like it's gotten a lot more positive um, talk in the light. That almost quarantine was kind of good for it in a way. It's phenomenal. It's an amazing, expertly crafted, put together, acted, actiony, fun movie. It's amazing. I love it so much. Um, so I watched that twice. <laughs> um, action. We a couple of these. Most of these are rewatches, but then I tried to keep up with like the new theater releases that they were Look doing. You. So I watched Bloodshot, which is the uh, the Vin Diesel based on a comic book movie. I, I have no idea what this is. Uh, it was supposed to be a theatrical. We saw the trailer for it a million times when we were still going to movie Aww. theaters. Um, and, like, there were a couple effects in it, like, in the trailer, like, a couple scenes. You're like, all right, this could be good. And, like, the, the trailer was decent. And Zach was excited for it. And then we watched it, and it it was really bad. Like, mm. I didn't like it at all. Oh, That's a bummer. I'm sorry. Um, I guess this is action. I rewatched all the Hunger Game movies. Oh, so how how do those play for you watching them now? I I oh, will I watch. Cry. The I cried for... like a lot. Oh, the one and two are on TV all the time, and I'll put them on the background a lot. But I I haven't sat there and watched one through four or one through three point yeah. two. 
one is great because it's one. Um, the second one is probably my favorite. Same. Um, and the second one is the one like in on the beach. If anybody second doesn't one know, is, what it's survival all stars. Right. Yeah, it's it's the second one is so phenomenal. I have vivid memories of reading the second book too, and I don't know. Like the second one is great. It's my favorite. Um, and then the last part, the Mockingjay one and two. Um, is really eerie and upsetting, mm. especially like now or, you yeah. know, a month and a half ago when I watched it. It just, it was dark. Like we, we had planned on rewatching them before all this started and Zach bought like a big Blu-ray of, of all of them packaged together. And, and I was like, yeah, I can't wait to rewatch these. Hadn't seen them since the theater. Saw oh, each wow. one in the theater, hadn't seen them since. And I was like, can't wait to rewatch these. This is going to be great. And then like, still wanted to rewatch them even though things weren't great and they <laughs> so so upsetting so yeah. upsetting like president coins turn like all the turn and i've never rooted so hard for katniss like i've all, mm. of course i love katniss you love katniss because you're Happy literally not. reading yeah. her, you're reading her thoughts when you're reading the book yeah. um and i think the movie loses some of that because you're not in her head and so sometimes her choices and her turns don't make the most sense. Yeah, and I think especially with the last two films where it... it I think... I remember somebody, um, a friend of mine who read it saying, like, one of the hardest things about it is she's 16. And yeah. so all of the, you know, PETA and um, what's-his-face drama is yeah, like, yeah. but you're 16, like... And when you get to the la- the last two books where it's not it's more political than life and death, it's it's just harder to connect to that. Mm-hmm. And all the but all the political stuff is like upsettingly relevant, and yes. I don't know. It, I just I really like those movies, and the Same. yeah, they're definitely worth watching. And as upsetting as they are, like they Suzanne Collins manages to give. Katniss like a the like a happy ending and like the only ending oh, she deserved and yeah. it was it's, it's nice so I enjoy those quite a bit um is this action oh I'm gonna say that's not action um on Netflix there is something called Lady Blood Fight Ooh, what is that? and it's like um I watched it a long time ago but the reason we watched it was because there is a um it stars like a female like stunt double that's what she does mostly okay. is she does stunts and stuff but um it's like a fighting movie with ladies in it I'm it's really good it now um what yeah is it worth my watching yes yeah i think so if you're in the mood for something like that it's okay. definitely it was an easy watch it was a fun watch it was like a uh a couple times watch nice. i like a good um, uh watch it was good it was good though um that's on netflix right yeah and is that action I'm going to say that's not. Uh, Mr. and Mrs. Smith, the Angelina Jolie, Brad Pitt one, I'd never seen. I have not and either. How was it? I didn't like it. Hmm. I kind of already always been interested because, like, these are, like, superstars doing, doing oh, yeah. this movie. Well, and this this was the movie for, I mean, for anybody that doesn't remember the early 2000s, it was the movie where they fell in love and he left Jennifer Aniston and, you know, People Magazine um, sold more copies for a while. Yeah, it's it's definitely like a time capsule mm-hmm. type of thing. I didn't I didn't particularly like it, and I like I don't hate Brad Pitt, but I don't but I like Angelina Jolie usually, and I was just kind of like whatever. I don't know. It was boring mm. and long, and yeah. pointless. So, um, that's not. Oh wait, is it? I'll say Snow White. 
the, the Kristen Stewart Snow White is kind of an action movie. I still have not watched these, either one of them. The second one is meh. I like okay. the first one a lot. I mean, Charlie's is just um, phenomenal. And I this list has a has big Kristen Stewart energy. <laughs> uh, Kristen Stewart is, if I made that list of the most interesting people working, sure. Kristen Stewart's on it. She's the best, and she's so good. They don't give her much to do in, in the Snow White one because it's not really about her. Mm-hmm. But it's got a it's got a good ending. I like the that's that's kind of a clincher for me now. Like, what do you do to your main character in the ending? Are they miserable? Did you hurt them for no reason? <laughs> it's fair. <laughs> um, fair, fair way to assess fun. something, I think. It's fun, and I own it. So I was just like, meh. Let's watch this. Yeah. Um, I the second one is sadly not that great. That's disappointing. Um, this isn't, that's not, oh, I watched Speed for the first time. That's right! Oh, I am, I want to hear her. I can't believe you had never seen that before. I had never seen Speed. Wow. You, hey, I don't want to blow any minds here. You know what's a good movie? Speed. Yeah, fuck yeah it is. I love I that movie. I didn't realize it was so good. It because is one it's of, like, it's one of those movies that was so ubiquitous and like yeah. every, oh, we all know what it's both. The bus can't slow it. I had no fucking idea that wow. it was like this. Well, I mean, there's so many moments. There's the thing about that movie. I think there's so many things that are working perfectly because you have Keanu Reeves kind of perfectly cast and really hot. Yeah. You have Dennis Hopper as a great villain. He's so good. And I think the secret ingredient of the reason why that movie clicked so well, well, like kind of the underlying thing of what made that really work well is, is the birth of her career is Sandra Bullock. She, so Sandra Bullock has always been great. She was great in but the this net. This was the thing that put her on the map. Had no right being that good in. Yeah, like she's always good. So I don't. I've never been like I like Sandra Bullock. I've never really had an opinion because she's never really been in movies that like are movies that I actively have sought out in my life. Fair, but like I don't know this. I I it's that thing. It happens to me occasionally where a movie is so talked about and so referenced and such a part of the zeitgeist that I go I don't need to see that because I know what it's about I know what it is I, I have some of those on my list this time actually yeah like it's the bus that that could the bus that couldn't slow down it's a <laughs> Simpsons joke yes like I know like great got it Keanu Reeves Sandra Bullock the world fell in love I don't care but I do care yes it's good it's so good it's real and their relationship oh yeah it's their so sexy. relationship is uh, the best yeah and he's like i like you because you're capable mm-hmm. and i love it i yeah. love it yeah and their moment at the end i love too it's the whole like the joke of like oh well you know you know people that meet under ex- extreme circumstances it never works out well then i guess we'll just have to have good sex and you're like and i remember like 14 year old me being like what wait what <laughs> yeah. i'd say it was delightful yeah. i don't I don't think that was streaming anywhere. I think we had to go It's on find TV that. a lot, so I ended up like, backgrounding it quite a bit. I loved it. So mm-hmm. that's that's my very late recommend of the nice. movie Speed, which apparently <laughs> it was very popular. Was it 94? It was a long time yeah, ago. Something like that. Wow. Um, action. Action? This is tough. I watch The Day After Tomorrow. That's action, right? I, yeah, I call that I, unless action. you have a subsection yeah. no, 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 of disaster. No, no, no. I don't have big disaster movie. I'd say that's a, that's an action movie. I hated it. I don't know why we rewatch. <laughs> I've seen it before. I don't know why I watched this. I've never bothered. I could tell there's nothing for me. Um. Yeah. What's the point? Um. Is Aquaman? I rewatched yeah. Aquaman. 
Aquaman's a great movie. I'll fight anybody that disagrees. I, I, Aquaman, I I feel like it... I liked Aquaman. There were things I loved about it, but I just wish it was like 30 minutes shorter. Oh, sure. Yeah. That's fair. I, yeah, that's fair. I I'm really like... It, it played... It actually was better the second time. I can see that. Um, I, I do think that that man is a good director. Um, mm-hmm. Vertical Limit, that's an action movie, right? It sounds like one. What is this? There's, it's a mountain. Of course it is. There's like a mountain. Okay. And Chris O'Donnell is there. Oh, was this like late 90s? Yeah. Okay. It's weird. I remember weird these movie. posters at the video store. Um, Did I like it? I don't know. It's a weird movie. Uh, just we're just look, looking for stuff to watch. I get like, it. Believe it seems it. inoffensive. Um, this is not. This is not. This is not. Oh, rewatch Starship Troopers. That's action. <gasps> oh god, that is glorious action. It's been a very long time um, since I've seen it. It's on TV all the time, and anytime it's on, it's a well. I guess that's my afternoon type thing. I, 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 I would kill for that movie. It. It's obviously very good, and. It's very good. Uh, I I've seen it. I've seen it, and I know that it's good. But it's been a while since you know, and you you forget the nuances mm-hmm. if you if you go excessive amount of time. Um, obviously, fantastic. Um, upsetting too. Yeah, in some ways. But I think that everything else is in a d- different okay. genre. All right, my action. I only have a few. Um, <laughs> I this was on HBO Go, and I said, hey. I didn't like, but thought there was merit to The Condemned. Let's see how The Condemned 2 is. What's The Condemned? Oh, you don't remember The Condemned? Was the C- oh, Steve Austin um, gets dropped on an island with 12 other Why convicts. Why would I remember this? How do you Why not remember I... this? Wow, I'm shocked. Uh, oh, you don't remember this movie? No, of course. <laughs> do, this was, oh wait, let me check the year. I feel like The con- all right, Condemned was 2007. Steve Austin and Vinnie Jones is the main villain, and he's so good. No? No. Wait, Jeez, Zach, okay. what? Zach is now in the room. What? The Condemned, 2007. Yeah. Zach, Steve Austin, Vinnie Jones. Zach just came in to tell me it's Stone Cold Steve Austin and he body slams an elephant. Look, you guys can talk about it. I don't remember <laughs> this. It's, well, it's <laughs> one of those, it's... Drop so dropping eight people on an island and having them kill each other and live streaming it. it. It's your kind of movie, totally. Of course, it's not very good though. And (laughs) you want to talk about a movie that has a mean bone in its body? um, Mm. Like there is the most unnecessary rape ever in that movie. That's fun. Yeah. Um, But the Condemned Two was made in 2015, eight years after the Condemned. Complete, fairly unrelated to the other one. Randy right. Orton, it's, they replace Steve, it's not the same character, it's a different thing. But it's Randy Orton and Eric Roberts plays his dad. Which, oh, okay, go with it. That's fun. Um, and it is not very good. It's just mm-hmm. not like, the pro- The biggest problem with it is, I think what it doesn't understand is that what's the most interesting aspect of The Condemned? It's not the action, it's the fact that you're doing a kind of battle royale thing. Yeah, yeah, and, exactly. That, yeah. That's, that, that's the hook for me. Right. I and hear this, that and I'm like, oh, okay. This one basically loses that. Like, it's a, uh, there are people that are betting on um, others to kill this guy because he killed them, but the whole, like, game show aspect of it is completely gone. So you're just watching a kind of mediocre action movie and it's not very good. Um, but you know what is good? 
What? I know you know this is good because I know you've seen it. Um, I So I, I'm sure you do this. Um, you have a Google Doc spreadsheet of movies separated out by genre and like attitude of what your husband hasn't seen that you want to make sure he sees. Oh, God, no. Yeah, so I have that. <laughs> And, um, you know, we're what kind of mood are we in kind of thing? I'm like, we're in an action-y mood. I'm like, you know what we haven't watched that I've wanted that I've wanted to rewatch for a while and that my husband had never seen is 2011's Hannah. Yes. Yes. How did it how did it go for a rewatch? So there, um, interesting because I had not remembered that it did have a very dark element to it yes that a lot of innocent people die in it yes and i had forgotten that and so we sat down to watch it and brandon liked it he's like that was very good i'm like it is very good it is very it is fantastic action um again uh joe wright oh love is a fascinating filmmaker who finds new ways to make movies that you've seen before and the filming of that movie i love the performances are great i also kind of take it as like a prequel to atomic blonde in my mind and it works mm. very well that way. Um, but I really had forgotten that, oh, there's this whole family she meets who are adorable and charming, and I yep. love every one of them, and they all probably die. And, oh, here's this other guy that helped her, and we see him die very brutally. And yep. you know, all these other innocent people that die because of her. And she doesn't, it's not her fault that she doesn't, because she doesn't really realize at first that it's happening. Um, so, yeah, on, on one hand, it is a great action movie, and anybody that wants that should watch it. Uh, on the other, I, it was much just darker than I remembered it being. It uh, is. It, and and I actually liked it. I liked that I forgot that. Because yeah. it, there is obviously like a fairy tale element running through Very it. Very much. And it is centered on a young girl. So you kind of, it's easy to forget that it's not that. Right. It is a it is a grown movie that is mean and mm-hmm. bad and, and, and scary you know, cruel, because these scary things are happening to yeah. this person. I don't know. I I I like it a lot. I think I liked it more the first time because I guess I was it was so unexpected. Yeah. Like, but and also it was it. 2011 when we were cool with really dark shit i think think, 2011 was such a good year for movies if you sit and think about it 2011 was one of my favorite years for movies i will say i I can't think of anything else of that year so scott pilgrim was 2011 x-men first class was 2011 i think in glorious bastards no that was 2008 i think 2011 was just such a good year for movies i feel like it was in the theater constantly i was still in new york so i was able to see short run stuff yeah. and like early i just loved 2011 <laughs> well i'm gonna go a better year for you what because so another action a, a kind of action movie that um I, I rewatched um with a similar situation brandon had never seen it and i said okay you know what let's watch this tonight um was a 2009 film and I had forgotten how good 2009 was because this was, I think, the first year of the 10 Best Picture nominees, and this was one of them. Mm. And this movie, when I thought back, I'm like, I remember seeing this movie the first time and only time. It was when I went to the movie and I paid to see this movie, and then I snuck into A Perfect Getaway, and I still feel yep. guilty about not paying for A Perfect Getaway, which is why I bought that movie like eight times for different people. Um, but the movie I paid to see in 2009 was District 9. I recently rewatched District Nine. Ah, did we talk? I don't did think we, talk we did. I don't remember yeah. it. So, I re- I I don't like this movie. Really? <laughs> oh, 
I mean, I mean, sketch it out on paper and I like it, but it's too much for me. I thought I didn't, I, I just, so I didn't, I wasn't, mm, I wasn't wowed by it the first time. It didn't like hit any emotional notes for me and it didn't like, it didn't wow me in any way. So I kind of walked away from it being like, that's fine. And I understand why people would like this, but then rewatching it, it, it actually like, was it hit it ticked all the bad boxes oh. it made me feel so bad like over and over again like you know i don't really like body horror I talk yeah about oh yeah there's a lot like, of it here i i feel like the the racial allegory is so much it it borders on uncomfortable for me like the little prawn is is so cute. cute cute on purpose and it yes. and, and the feelings that it, it evokes it are <laughs> in me are like bitter and extreme because i know what they're doing i feel so, you know what it is i feel manipulated by that movie like that movie is like i i feel like it's personally attacking me wow. because there's a lot of stuff with bodies and meat and it's just it's true, just a very true. I can not, see that. not christine friendly movie but like i get why people like it yeah. like i I understand. It's just like, hey, I'm, am I being targeted here? <laughs> it's fine. I can see that. I something I never would have thought of, but thinking of you watching that, I totally get it. Um, I I loved it. I was really happy that it held up for me. Uh, and again, Brandon had never seen it, so we sit down to watch it, and very oh, quickly. What did you think? Um, well, because I was worried because I, you know, I, I don't like, you know, when I say I want you to watch this movie, like there is a sense of like I really hope you like it. Um, yeah. And with this, I had no idea all throughout it. I didn't know what he was thinking, except early <laughs> on when um, the main character first gets like squirted with the stuff and Brandon pauses it. He's like, is this a virus movie? And I'm, and I'm like, no. And then I'm like, it's not, right? It's been so long since I've seen it. I'm like, no, no, no. Yeah, I'm like, no, there's an aspect way or something, but no. Um, classify it. Like, I guess, no, but I don't know. Right, like, no, I'm like, there's an, no? there, I guess there's an infection, but like, it's, it's but, not like, that. Like, it's not going to be. very localized. Right, yes, very much. <laughs> and I think to me, like what that movie does, there's, there's two things it does really smartly. Um, one is, I think the effects are great. And I'm, yes. I mean, that was made for, it was made for like 30 million, which is nothing it's, when you really look at it. It's shocking. It, how good it, it is. Looks. I mean, all of those creatures are CGI and that is some of the best CGI I've ever seen. Um, there's that. There is the um, style of it, which I do really like as far as it kind of being a documentary almost. Mm -hmm. I think that keeps it interesting. I think it kind of keeps it from being, um, from leaning on action too much or leaning on like this or found footage too much. Like I remember the first time I saw it thinking it kind of cheated by being found footage and then not. But rewatching it, I'm like, no, I'm like, it it doesn't. Like, no, it's good. Yeah. And then the other thing, I actually, I love that it's centered on the the character the Charlotte Copley who's who's so good um that your your lead character is not a hero your lead character is a bureaucratic you know pencil pusher who is a bad guy who is you know kind of complicit in what's going on around him who is this just just this pathetic guy in many ways so you're not I think it's a really interesting way of making a movie. You're not on his side because you don't like him. You are gradually feeling something for him because what he's going through really sucks. You start to see, okay, he's a human being. He cares about his wife. He's, you know, this, that. Um, but it, it takes you on a journey with him. And I think that's kind of what separates it in some ways 
in, like I think that elevates it as a movie that it does something really interesting with its character that it didn't have to do. It would have been easy to have made that movie without that complexity. No, for sure. It takes turns, like character turns that you don't necessarily expect. Yeah. So yeah, I get like, I, I think that it's good and I get, I get, there are people that really like it and I get that. My mom's one of them, but like, I really feel like, mm, I don't know, not for me. <laughs> I get it. I get it. Um, all right. That, that's my action. Woo! Let's move on to comedy. Oh boy. You would think, wouldn't you? You would think that I would think I have very few on my list. You would think that's what I would be doing. Um and I'm gonna tell you something. Nothing. I have two. Ooh. I have two. I, um, I have like I guess you could two say and a half. So. Aquaman was very comedic. Yeah. But um, Oh boy. Yeah, so I we I was not excited. This is another one that was should have been in movie theaters. I was not excited for this movie. I had seen the trailer twice, and I said, what do you think you're doing? Get away from me with this. That movie is Scoob, which is the <laughs> Scooby movie. Uh-huh. I have a lot of Scooby-Doo nostalgia. I grew okay. up watching Scooby-Doo. I know all about when Scooby-Doo hung out with Mama Cass. I know all about that <laughs> shit. That was my jam. I love Scooby-Doo. And if... I don't know where it, you would find it, but there is a reboot of Scooby called Mystery Incorporated, where it's the weirdest fucking cartoon ever, and they straight up do Twin Peaks stuff all oh, through wow. it. Like, they, they go to a red... It's wild and weird. So I love Scooby-Doo. And I was... <laughs> we tried to watch the um, the Tom Hardy Capone movie. Okay. We got, like, halfway through it, and I was like, I can't do this anymore. <laughs> that That movie is either... Um, next level genius that I don't get or the worst thing I've ever watched <laughs> so for that reason alone it's fascinating but I couldn't I couldn't it's long I couldn't do it anymore so we we put Scoob on instead so I was like Scoob it is your job to turn this around <laughs> it is so cute Aww. and so sweet Aww. and not at all the, the storyline I expected I did not expect it to be what it was. Like, it's like a mixing of, of worlds and, like, different Hanna-Barbera characters, okay. and, and which I love. I, I love me some Wacky Racers. I'm an old, old woman inside my body. I love that shit. It was so cute. It was just really good. And I like when they make Fred stupid. Mm-hmm. Like... It's my favorite shit, and Mystery Incorporated did that too. He's such like a distractible dope, and yeah. I love that. I think it's so charming, and he he's like that. Is Zac Efron in this movie? Very nice. good. Daphne is Amanda Seyfried. Oh. Very good. They, um, America Ferrera maybe is Velma. Anyways, like all the all the all the different folks are cute and great, and Shaggy's really likable. I don't know. I just love. I love Scooby-Doo shit. And this was, like, strangely good. This is what I wish the Sonic movie had been. Okay, I get it. <laughs> like, good. <laughs> <laughs> Generally, I wish that of all my movies, but yeah. Like, I wish that I had a kid that would be like, oh, can I watch the Scooby-Doo movie repeatedly? And I'd be like, oh, yes, you can. Because <laughs> I, too, would like to watch it. It was real. There was some. there was enough nostalgia in it, but it was also, like, Weird. It was the structure. It was really strange. It's actually like a kind of a like a back end superhero movie. Okay. Like and they and I don't know. It's weird and I liked it. 
But Interesting. You have to kind of still pay for it if you want to see it. I, I think I'm okay. I'll wait. Not everybody wants to pay for the I, Scooby-Doo movie. You know, movie. I'm going to be one of those people who is not going to pay for the Scooby-Doo movie. But if it's streaming and you love Scooby-Doo... Um, my husband does, so I'll see if, <gasps> if he ever wants to. Like then I'll tell or him might Scoob comes recommended. I don't know. He might hate it. And then the <laughs> only other one I actually watched last night, it is now on Netflix. Also supposed to have gotten a theatrical, which would be The Lovebirds uh, with Issa Rae and Kumail Nanjani. Okay. Um, would I have seen it in the theater? Yes. Would I have been disappointed? No. I huh. do not understand why people are saying negative things about this movie. Huh. People are like, it's not that funny. This movie's so good. It's really well shot. Michael Showalter is the director, and oh, he's yeah. like, I don't he knows what you he's know. doing. You know Michael Showalter. Mm-hmm. You know how, how to American Summer. Of course, you know I know Michael Showalter. So really good, and it's filmed really good. And all the there are like really interesting framing of certain scenes. I don't know. It was really funny and really sweet, and I liked it a lot. Also, there is some. There are some amazing race jokes in this that blew my fucking mind. Like this, this movie got into my psyche and was like, "Do you need these amazing race jokes?" Here you go. I, I like the idea that um, thinking of movies that are made for you and movies that are not made for you. So, like, if District Nine had had amazing race jokes, no, because see, this is the thing. Had we so this, if this had gotten a theatrical. We wouldn't be in quarantine, and if we weren't in quarantine, I wouldn't have watched so much Amazing Race, and those jokes wouldn't have hit. Oh, wow. wow. We talked what about world. it. Yeah. Because I, I said if we had seen this in the theater and they started doing Amazing Race jokes, because we paused it. We were, like, laughing so hard and so shocked that our interests were being spoken of on the television. I said I would have smacked you so hard in the theater, and he was like, <laughs> we wouldn't have thought it was funny if we had seen this in yeah, the theater. And I was person. like, <gasps> wow, it's <laughs> But it's it is on Netflix, and if anybody's on the fence about it, I give it a high recommend. I think it is genuinely funny, and both of them are very good in it. Okay, interesting. So that's that's all I have in these tough times. You would think I'd be watching more. Well, I get it. I get it. I have few, and like even a few of mine, I'm looking. I'm like, I guess that goes under comedy. <laughs> um, it's well, one is an outright comedy, and that was uh, Cold Turkey. Um, which is 1971, maybe? Early 70s? This is... Um, I had read about it in Norman Lear's autobiography. This is his film. He wrote and directed it. And it was airing... It actually aired on TCM like three years ago, and I had it on my DVR ever since then. Oh, and you're dedicated. I Oh, no. I have stuff on my DVR from like way back that... Uh, every now and then it's really fun when you watch and watch the commercials because you're like, oh yeah, you're running for president. Um, but so cold turkey is the concept is a cigarette company, uh, kind of issues a contest where they say if one, if a town quits smoking for a month, they get all this money. So the movie is kind of an ensemble comedy, uh, based in Iowa in this small town that has nothing going for it. And the town decides, okay, we can do this because we need the money for it. And it's a great cast. It's Dick Van Dyke, um, Bob Newhart, um, Gene Stapleton, who is hilarious in it. A whole bunch of people you'd recognize. It's very, very funny. Uh, has kind of an odd ending that I don't really understand. Um, but just as a, you randomly want something from another, I have no idea if it's streaming anywhere, but if it ever kind of comes up to your eyeballs, well worth a watch. Very funny stuff. Very talented people being very funny. It sounds like something I would actually like. I think you would. Yeah. 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 The cast is so good. Um, and then the other 
three that I have in the comedy category, I guess, are kind of comedies. So um, one that always kind of falls under comedy drama, but I ended up putting it here. And that is a movie that I can't remember if you watched or not. You probably didn't because I know you don't like Michael Keaton. But you watch it, The Founder? <laughs> no, I did watch it. Oh, you did watch it. What did you think of it? I didn't like it. Yeah. Um, it was like lacking something. It felt it was lacking something flat to me, and I wanted to like it. Yeah. Like, did you also think to yourself, why couldn't this movie be about Nick Offerman and John Carroll Lynch? Yeah, it, they were much more interesting and dynamic. I don't yeah. know what it was. Like, I don't know what they could have done different. But it, it played like. I don't know. It wasn't. It wasn't engaging. It just felt like a slog. Like yeah. this is what I have to get through. I and for me too. Like I was. I was like trying with it. Like I really like wanted to be into it. Yes. And then they introduced Laura Dern, and I'm like, oh, I didn't know Laura Dern was in this movie. And then I'm like, oh, I didn't know Laura Dern was playing the token sad wife character, mm-hmm. who is introduced as the token sad wife character, waiting for her husband to call. And gets nothing else to do in the movie but constantly be the sad wife. And I thought to myself, I've seen this done to, obviously, many a woman in a movie. You do not fucking do that to Laura Dern in 2019. Like, you did that to Laura Dern in 2000. You don't do that shit anymore. It's a weird choice, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, Yeah. So, I don't know. Like, I'm not mad that I watched it because I think it was interesting. It was, you know... It is an interesting story. It is a fast, I mean, it is one of the biggest businesses in America and just a very American business tale. But yeah, yeah, it's lacked something. Um, Which is a shame. I wanted to be super into it. Same. Yeah. Um, Okay. Another, I guess I think this would, would fall under comedy because I don't have mystery as a category, but this one came out last year. I don't know if you know of this movie. Um, it has a really good cast. Uh, Chris Evans, Tony Collette. I Michael hate you. Shannon. Get out of here. <laughs> did you did you love it? Oh my god, yes. So obviously oh, we're talking so about good. Knives Out, which um we just we hadn't seen. Um, and we rented it from as our Netflix disc because we still get Netflix discs. You can mm-hmm. still do that, people. You and my mom. Yes. <laughs> and, well, and and Brandon. You know, that's three. There you go. Sorry, sorry. Mm-hmm. I was counting the ho- household no, as yeah. a singular. You're right. Um. <laughs> And, like, it was one of those, like, we sat and we're like, we, we were both excited. We're like, I think this is going to be really good. Everybody, everybody I know loves this movie. Um, and I know how much you love it. So love we sit it. down. We're both excited. And it was just, like, we, like it ends. We just, Brian, I think Brandon bought it the next day. Like, it was just so good. It's so good. It's so what good. I wish more movies were. It was good. It was funny. It yep. had heart. It had quality. It wasn't pandering. It wasn't, like... It wasn't mean. It wasn't stupid. Like, it's just like, an, it's like a, a grown-ups movie. I felt yeah. this way. I think I'm showing my ass a little bit here. I felt this way when Orient Express came out. <laughs> Apparently, I just really like Agatha Christie's style movies. But like, when Murder on the Orient Express came out, the, uh, the what's-his-face one. I don't, the Brano one. Thank you. I was like, movies! Where are they? Why can't I get more of them? <laughs> like, like movies, I guess, coming from me, this is wild. I guess, like, I want a movie that's not a superhero movie mm. that, like, is, like, but also isn't, like, the heaviest, hardest, most terrible thing to watch in sure. the world. Um, 
and we're gonna they're we're not gonna get death death on the nile this this winter and it makes me so sad but um i was just like so fucking i floored by this movie it does everything just everything perfect everything you're right It, it is a I mean, I would, this list is very small. I would put this on the list of perfect movies. Yeah, It doesn't waste anything. And you, when you have a cast like that, like, you're always thinking like, oh, I could have used more of this person. But you're like, no, they were all used perfectly. Like, Michael Shannon is used perfectly in, in a minor part because that's all you needed of that character. Like, and I was, you know, reading up on it. And, like, one of the details that I thought was very funny was, I guess there was a little bit of, like, improv here and there. And it just seems mm-hmm. like Ryan Johnson is somebody who, lo- like, knows how to work with actors. Oh. Um, and there was, like, one line where um, the, I can't think of the actor's name, the kid, um, who uh, was in Midnight Special. Oh, and don't worry, he'll come up in my list. Oh, oh nice. Um, <laughs> but, like, he apparently, like, during, like, a crowd shouting scene, like, he he, like, he had a line that was just, like, improv and, like, and Michael Shannon was like, to Ryan Johnson, was like, did you hear that? He's like, no, I do. He's like, he needs to do it again. Like, you need to let him do this line because it's really funny. Like, just that sense of these these great actors who were so good at what they do that yeah. they knew how to do it perfectly, even without being the leads in anything. Yeah. It's so good. So I've, good. I've, like I said, I've seen it three times. Mm-hmm. I did it with the commentary, the the digital commentary. I have not watched my disc that I think has a different commentary on it. Ooh, I would yeah. like to though. Yeah. But it is just it 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 gets better because you notice things yep. and like nuanced performance choices. Like I would say that Chris Evans' performance for me got better. I can you see could, that. You could see the nuances and stuff. Mm-hmm. But like I don't know, Tony Collette is. I've I've loved Tony Collette for a very long time. I really like when when it seems like a filmmaker understands what they have. Yes. When Tony Collette and gives you something of that actor that you've never seen them do before. She's and I got her. I knew her character like deep within my soul, and I think that's a big part of it. They all seemed to understand their characters. Mm-hmm. So even though we don't get excessive backstory and we don't get fucking like a flashback to like we don't get like this three years earlier and then we see like you everything is so well established within the narrative of the story. Completely. Oh my god, and Daniel Craig is so good in it. He is. He really is. He's so stupid but yep. yet so effective. I'm using stupid a lot, I'm sorry, that's ableist language. He's he's not smart. <laughs> And, and and he's he's but he's so charismatic and likable and right yeah like the the donut hole line <laughs> yes it's so funny oh my gosh he's so i saw it in the theater twice and um one of the times was illegal but i've paid for it twice and bought the steelbook so i'm <laughs> i'm i'm owning the fact that i watched it mm-hmm. once illegally but both times we saw it in the theater we saw it in the theater for like an advanced screening before it opened full which i expected like full full theater everyone laughed everyone loved it everyone was engaged i saw it months after it released like early january maybe months after it released full during the day on a weekend i could not understand why people how people were still going to see it i get it. it it's, it's 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 a it was a fucking powerhouse. Yeah. It's so exciting. It like it kind of reminds me of like like the way pictures used to be. Like, <laughs> but it's true. Like back in like I don't know, even like the eighties when like you would have a comedy that comes out that everybody goes to see and talks about. 
And that just doesn't happen the same way now, in part because of streaming, in part because, I don't know, like a lot of different factors. But it is. It's just a movie that anybody you, – you could watch that with your grandmother. You could watch yep. that with your, like, goth nephew. I don't know. Like, anybody, and you would all find that perfect. It's it's really great. And I I, I don't know. Like, I, I feel like when Ryan went to go make the Star War, and I was very angry about it because he was one of my favorite filmmakers. And, and like how, much how people felt when Peter Jackson went and did his Lord of the Rings, some people felt like I've now lost Peter Jackson. I will not see well, him I mean, make a different movie. We kind of have because he, he only makes uh, J.R.R. Tolkien movies now. But, like, that's how I felt when, when Ryan went and did a Star War. I was like, I've lost him. I've lost him to something that I don't care about. But we've we've come to find out that that is not true, and I should have trusted him in his vision and gone with him to the Star War to begin with. But what I think that movie, that movie gave him a confidence, I feel, in this movie. And, and um, Knives Out was like a direct response to his experience post the Last Jedi, which is interesting and fascinating to hear him talk about. It, it's it's just so good, and without the Last Jedi, we would have never gotten this. So yeah. I'm extremely happy with his career trajectory. Yeah, I just I, I he's a director that I just I you know I I think will be the guy that just will never make a bad movie or or will I don't know I I hope his career is bigger than anything. I hope he has like one of those like Spielberg wild, careers, yeah wild stretches where you look at someone's filmography and you go holy shit this person delivered this for like 10 years straight like when you look at Hitchcock or De Palma Mm -hmm. or Spielberg or Zemeckis when you're like oh my god I can't believe somebody just did this yep yep um and then my last comedy that again kind of I say with a question mark but it's definitely (laughs) a comedy it just also falls into drama and also falls into kind of the Oscar side of things uh this is Jojo Rabbit Oh, um, we were planning on watching that soon. Haven't seen it. I liked it. Um, I think it's one that probably suffers because you sit down thinking, oh, this is the movie that won Best Screenplay. This is the movie that got nominated for Oscars. Did it deserve it? Mm -hmm. Blah, blah, blah. And it's, it's like, it's hard to say like, well, you know, I probably would have given certain things to other movies. Um, but I really liked it. Uh, it is a, you know, it's a Holocaust comedy, not a Holocaust comedy, it's a World War II comedy. Um, you go in knowing that, and it's, you know, it, it's very good at that, I think. It's, again, it's made with a lot of heart. Um, there is a kindness to a lot of the characters. There is a an absurdity to others, and even to some that show both sides of it. Um it's funny to me because we watched uh, Three Billboards a couple of weeks ago, which Sam Rockwell won the Oscar for, playing mm-hmm. a character that is kind of a bigot and a terrible, you know, guy who maybe isn't such a bad guy and all that. And I felt so uncomfortable with it because I didn't feel like it sold that to me and I didn't understand what I was supposed to really think of that character. And in this movie, it's a kind of similar, not a similar role, but it's, you know, he is all he's playing a Nazi who has other things going on and has a certain redemption. And to me, it worked fine in this movie. Like I bought what it was doing. I got it. I saw it coming and it, it worked. And it just an interesting kind of in comparing and contrasting, I guess, in that way. Mm. Um, but I thought everybody was great. Now the little boy is fantastic. He's adorable. I've heard that. Yeah. Um, he, he, you will love him. He, he's just so, <laughs> and the way he talks and the way he, the way him and his friends talk. And it's, you know, that very, um, uh, 
what is it, Taiko Watiti? Like, Mm -hmm. it's that absurdity, but there's a heart to it, and it's there, and I don't know. I I don't know that it was the most brilliant thing I saw. I think I probably had, I probably went in thinking, this is either going to disappoint me, or I'm going to, like, be sold on it, but because so many, because it had that sort of swell of support, sometimes you expect something of a movie. Yes, And if you try to just get rid of all of that and just watch it as, imagine this was just an independent film that I stumbled upon on cable one day. I think Mm -hmm, you will, mm -hmm. I think you will like it. Um, Well, I I will watch it. Yes. Okay. I'll be really curious what you think. I don't know. Um, All right. So then, okay. I still have drama and horror left. Oh, I, I thought, I figured, granted, look, you're not, you're not, doing anything new here but i really feel like i anticipated your genre breakdown and i think i did well i think i <laughs> sorted them out accordingly uh <laughs> which one which one are you doing next um do, well, do you need a break or anything or should we just keep on going through you know what let's take a little let's break let's take a little quick little breather we'll come back and, and go with drama and horror My days are so busy, it's making me dizzy There's so much I gotta do There's lunches and meetings and poetry readings And endless interviews Gotta pose for a portrait and how it's a portion there for eternity Then it's off to the inn where my innkeeper friend Wants to name a drink after me Then it's back to my room where I resume My attempt to write a hit Just me and my beer and the terrible fear That I might be losing it and it's hard, it's hard, it's hard, it's hard, it's really, really hard, so very, very hard. I make it look easy, but honey, believe me, it's hard, it's hard, it's hard, it's hard, it's so incredibly hard, so inconceivably, unbelievably hard. It's hard to be the bard. Honestly, I don't know how I do it. There's only so much. Okay, we are back to talk about drama. So, okay. what drama has been going on in your life on your television set? Um, all right. So, one of my, apparently one of my comfort movies is Talented Mr. Ripley. Um, <laughs> I I think this? Talented Mr. Ripley is one of the best movies it's ever It's great. Made. It is very, very good. I, I saw it and liked it, and then saw it a while later and was like oh this is very good no wonder why i liked it uh-huh. and saw it again and went like no this is the best movie i've ever seen now i think this is my fourth or fifth time and every time it's i wouldn't expect it but it's one of those movies where i can't turn off because i'm like oh no 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 wait this is gonna happen mm. okay but wait now this has got to happen <laughs> have you and, read patricia highsmith i have not yeah. i read miss i read mr ripley talented mr ripley and i read the one after it, who, and I'm so sorry to everyone who's who knows that I should know the title of this book. I don't. I liked it less, and then there's, I believe, the third one, Ripley something something. Um, didn't finish it because I didn't like it. Mm. So somebody said you should read different. You should you should get out of Ripley for a bit okay. if you went cold on it because I did marathon them, like I blasted through them. So I think maybe that would have taken something away. But I have watched many a Patricia Highsmith adaptation. Sure. Because I love her and I love her sensibility yep. and her characters. But the Mr. Ripley book is one of the best books. Hmm. And I, I feel know. like this movie is a super companion-y to it. Like, because there's stuff missing and there's stuff that's different. So this is like a companion piece to it. And it gives you some really nice visuals. It's beautiful. Oh, yes. I don't know if Gwyneth Paltrow has ever been better. 
it um, is the perfect role for her. I mean, I think directors need to understand, like, it's kind of, I mean, kind of like Nicole Kidman, who is brilliant, but if you cast her wrong, you are stuck with somebody that physically yeah. can't portray something. And Gwyneth Paltrow needs to always be cast as a wealthy socialite because she's nobody is better at it than her because that's what she is in her essence. She's she's just very good in it and yeah. like the right amount of like you you feel for her but you also like kind of don't like her. But like mm. um Kate Blanchett. Oh yeah. Yeah, Kate Blanchett's in yep, it. Yep. I keep getting confused today. Um this is this is the hottest version of Jude Law that exists in the universe. And again, it's and the I, perfect it's like Jude Law it, is also so like good. when Jude Law is cast as the guy that everybody finds sexy who is so like stupid about it like he's perfect. Yeah, it's and and then I don't really like Matt Damon. Matt Damon is so good. He's not my first choice for Ripley, mm. but he is the Ripley of this movie and he works, and he works for yeah. me in in this movie and I he's weird and i don't know this that's such a good movie and there's such weird choices and it's so beautiful and i honestly could watch it at a moment's notice you could be like oh you just finished watching that well, i was gonna watch it i'd be like no no i'll watch it again Here, here's a quick fun thing that i had forgotten on the tv some some on amazon prime something you should watch before you give up amazon um jim henson's storyteller is on there Yes, which I, I actually think I own that on DVD. Oh, wow, I'm so, I didn't know it was ever released on DVD because I've never been able there, to access it. Um, I think there was a like a, a release while back. Maybe I'm making maybe this up. because I remember on Netflix it's on my queue under the saved section, which meant it was like out there at some point. And then they ran out of discs yeah. probably because uh, smart people took them and then didn't return them. <laughs> but uh, a couple of the episodes, guess who directed them? Anthony Minghella. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. I wonder which ones. I used to. I don't know. I have a really weird relationship with that show. It's like a it, very odd show. It upset it me. Is dark shit. It really. Like, yeah, there is a DVD. Um, you can you can get it on Prime for like forty dollars. Yep, I figured. And I and I'm the cover is familiar. I'm almost positive I have it. Nice. I think good for me. Hey. Um, because it was one of those things. I don't know if you had this a similar relationship to it, but I remember watching it and then not knowing what it was all the imagery in the stories were from i i couldn't never remember i mean we were young when it came on but you and i were both probably of the age old enough to know it's a jim henson property i'm watching it and every week being like uh, okay that's horrifying because the story storyteller is the one with the with the dragon right um i'm trying to think it's it's john hurt opens every episode and he's got the dog with him and it's him telling a story but like and they're fables, and some of them are biblical, some of them are Greek. I feel like there's um, an Icarus story in there, like, but they're they're dark because a lot of stories for kids have dark endings, and they go for it. Yeah, there's. I think it. I think this. That's the one with the mean dragon that yells. That makes sense. Yeah, I haven't gotten um, to that episode yet. But, yeah. but like, I think yes, I see him on the cover of this DVD. But I remember imagery from that show and being like, where did I? I don't even know where I would have seen this. What mm-hmm. is this? And then. And then seeing it and being like, oh, my God, all this shit that I just remembered and had no idea yep. where I saw it is this show. I see it. Yeah. Oh, so fun. I love it. Yeah. Worth a watch, everybody, on Amazon. Good to know it's there. Um, what did we say? Drama? Drama. Yes. All right. This counts, I guess. Um, the Runaways. Did we see this movie together? No, I've not seen this. 
Okay. So The Runaways is on Netflix, I think. And this is, again, Kristen Stewart. Um, but also uh, Michael Shannon. So um, it's very good. It's uh, f- directed by Floria Sigismondi, who directed my favorite movie of the year, The Turning, movie that everybody hates. Um, we'll but <laughs> Oh, my God, you watched it! We did. We watched it last night. I fuck the rest of this list i know yes i I, it's funny i have it listed like i have my list and i have that as the very last because i know i'm like when we get to this one i feel like we'll have a lot to talk about so yeah let's just pause on drama to talk about the turning are we are we jumping ship we'll get back to it but um so anyways the runaway runaways is on um is on netflix it's very good it looks cool it's dakota fanning and Kristen stewart among other people that you'll recognize i love it Dearly, I haven't seen it since I saw it in the theater when I lived in New York. I actually worked the premiere of that movie and got to see everybody. Um, it is very movie. great and lovely, and Kristen Stewart's the best, and I would die for her. Please, talk about The Turning. Okay, so we watched The turn. You know what? Actually, I said that, but let's move The Turning to the end. This way, <gasps> we could spoil it. Okay. okay. All right, fine. Yeah, sorry. Um, sorry to get you so excited, but I'm no, thinking, it's fine. thinking it through, and I think we have to talk about the ending, so if somebody hasn't seen it, then it's harder to get back to it, so let's let's move that to the end. Okay. Okay. Put a pin. So drama. Mm-hmm. I don't know. <sighs> I guess this is drama. No, I'll say that this is horror. I'll go. You know when some things aren't supernatural and you're like, is this horror? But I'll move this to horror. Anyways, I watched The Roommate. Yeah, you did. It's better than I remember. Really? I wouldn't remember it. I was very drunk when we saw you it. You were very drunk. For those who yell- don't know, we saw The Roommate um, on my 29th <laughs> birthday. Um, oh my god, that was so long ago! It was. It was we so old. Okay, so the roommate. Oh, when we saw the roommate, I had not actually met my husband yet. I would meet him like one week later. Wow. Uh, so the roommate was the um, thriller starring Leighton Meester and Minka Kelly, who look a lot alike. And the drunker you are, the more they look alike. And it was very hard to tell them apart in the, in the theater. But yes, for my birthday, I wanted to. I went to like drunk brunch and then snuck alcohol into the theater with. I know you were there. Um, several other friends were there. I can't remember if my brother was there or not. Um, but it was a fairly empty theater. And I was drunk enough that I felt it important to talk to the movie. And if memory serves, other people were enjoying me talking. I hope that's true because I feel very bad if I was obnoxious. But I remember um, people in front of me laughing a lot. I don't want to ruin your memory of that. Oh, no! <laughs> oh, I was, guys, I was in my 20s. I didn't, I didn't know better. <laughs> oh, my gosh. We were in our 20s. We were in our 20s. What's wrong? Nine um, years ago. I think I think it was I think it's on Netflix. We definitely streamed it. Um, you should rewatch it. It's okay. it's oh man, it's I think it's good, but like in a weird way. Um, and Leighton Meester is fucking going for it. It's weird how committed she is to this, and I love it. She's like I am a full blown weirdo in this, and I. I ate it up. I always liked her in Gossip Girl. I thought she was the best she, thing on the show. She's really interesting and makes weird choices in this, and I really liked it. Okay. I, I will, for you, I will rewatch The Roommate. Um, I think you might like it. I might. I very well might. Ugh. Okay, well, this is fun. I, that was a thriller. There's a... Oh, my gosh. Google just thought I was talking to her. Um, <laughs> I don't know how to classify some of these, so we're getting into that. Okay. Um. I do know how to classify this one. I watched Fan of the Opera. Like Which one? the t- 2004 one. Oh, the musical. The adaptation of the musical? 
Yeah, like Patrick Wilson. Oh, yeah. I, like how I lead with Patrick Wilson. He's barely in it. That's that's why I showed up to this. Um, so people, I don't know if this is true, but people often credit the 2004 Phantom of the Opera as um, influencing a lot of the more romantic visuals in The Last Jedi. And Ryan Johnson has said he's a very big fan of this movie. Fascinating. Um, and there is stuff. People have done side-by-side screenshots and stuff huh. like there is stuff there, and I believe that to a degree. Um, I don't like musicals, as you know. I know when I that's right, I remember now seeing that you saw this and thinking, "Oh, that probably didn't go well." I mean, did it go well? No. Did it go poorly? Not really. I mean, I existed while I was watching it. Okay. It's just not. It's not for me. And um, Emmy Rossum is Christine. I don't. I've never seen her in anything where I felt like she was particularly compelling to me Mm -hmm. i I don't i I, but i'm sure she's great she was on shameless for like 47 years i'm sure she's she's a great actress it's just i didn't this didn't work for me and then um patrick wilson wasn't enough wasn't enough and like i didn't i didn't understand anything and i kept wishing i was watching other movies do you ever do that where you're watching a movie and go like this reminds me of blank. Oh, this. Can I pause this and watch that instead? Yeah. So I really wanted to watch a bunch of different movies while this was on, which is never a good sign. No. And it's long. I mean, it's, it, it's I, I've, I saw it in the theater. I, you know, I'm a musical fan. Phantom of the Opera is by no means my favorite musical. I think it's, I, I get all the jokes lodged against it. At the same time, I think the music in it's beautiful. The problem is it repeats eight times. And I, I was excited to see it because I'm like, hey, hey, big musical. They've been trying to adapt this as a musical for years. Let me see what they did. They cast real singers for the most part. And then I watch it. I'm like, what the f- what the fuck is Gerard Butler doing here? Yeah. Um, and especially the whole like when they pull his mask off and he's got like, like what I look like when I get sunburnt on my face. It's is- so his oh. mask, the stuff under his mask is so inconsistent, too. I'm glad oh, you brought yes. that up. Oh, yeah. The mask, I- like the size of it keeps changing. I very much put this out of my head because I did watch it a while ago. Oh boy! Yes, it's a problem, and he's and um, he can't sing. Like mm. I, I don't understand. And I guess like he was kind of big then. Like it was a, a couple of years after Three Hundred. He was in demand, but you're looking and and for the most part, everybody else can. I mean, they dub Minnie Driver because it's opera. She can't sing that. But Emmy Rossum was more a singer than an actress. Yeah, oh, Minnie Driver is is fantastic. Patrick Wilson is bona fide Broadway creds. But then, like, I understand sometimes, like, look, they have Russell Crowe in Les Mis. I get it. Like, sometimes you have to do what you got to do, thinking we we get an audience to come see this. Yeah. But yeah. And it's just such a mistake, too, because you're like, look, millions of people have seen Broadway, have seen Phantom of the Opera in theater, in Broadway or traveling tours. They want the musical. You're not giving it to them because you cast Gerard Butler. So I just don't understand a lot of the choices it makes yeah there's like a ground swell of like fandom behind this movie specifically mm. i think because certain people are of a certain age when they saw it i could see that and yeah. it's it's become a very like a nostalgic yeah. piece of media for them um i i i didn't i didn't get it but i like know when something's not for me sure like because i don't i already don't really like musicals so this, I, this is, is as that musical as you can get so yeah there was a couple weird things and interesting i wish it was weirder mm, yeah. but like i don't know so i watched it though so i'm proud of myself <laughs> um 
drama. Rewatched The Fugitive, which is an yeah, amazing nice. movie. Yeah, I love that movie. Um, not much to say about it. It's a good movie. Um, I already talked about that. Oh, you know what I watched? This is dramatic. I watched the uh, 90-something uh, Romeo and Juliet. Nice. Romeo plus Juliet. Yes. Rom- sorry. Pardon. You want to talk uh, about what... I mean, if you had to, I think, define the 90s in in two movies, I'd say. Because I feel like if you define the 90s in one movie, Clueless. Define it in two, Romeo plus Juliet. It's... Look great but it's really good it's really good i love it like, i think it's a good movie i think that leonardo dicaprio is the least good actor in it yeah everybody else is doing such honestly that's work. almost always the case with romeo and juliet every production i've ever seen romeo is the least interesting thing in it he i honestly every time the like juliet i could hang with when they were together on screen i was like when are we getting back to the fun <laughs> Because there are so many fun oh, yeah. things in here, and it's so pretty, and the music Harold is Perrineau so is good. Mercutio is so good. Oh, the I music, s- yeah. I still have this soundtrack on CD. It's in my car, and I still listen to it. It is very good. Yeah, it is of a time. So I time. I haven't watched this movie because I didn't really like the movie when I when it came out. I was like, that's fine, but I really liked the soundtrack, and. Uh, <laughs> And it's very, it's very, I'm familiar with the visuals. They're often, you know, referenced when Mm -hmm. speaking about the 90s, like his stupid shirt and her angel wings. Yeah, there's like a, but watching it now, I very much appreciate it. It is very minimal in an interesting Mm -hmm. way. I don't know. I don't, hey guys, this is a good movie. Well, and it's funny. I remember it came out, I think we were in eighth grade when it came out because I was in ninth grade when we read Romeo and Juliet in school. And the teacher, like, it, this movie had to be the best thing for English teachers because they're like, hey, I can right. finally show you guys Shakespeare. And it's the language. It's Shakespearean language. We can pause it and I can exp- and you guys can tell me what do you think that line meant? Because that's always the barrier with Shakespeare when you're young is it's, it's written in a different language. You have to kind of understand each line. And it's very hard to do that on the page. When you see it in front of you, it makes more sense. And I think it is such a brilliant, passionate Shakespeare adaptation because he made that whether he intended it or not he made a movie for 14 year old girls in the best way that doesn't dumb the material down that gives you Shakespearean literature and finds a way of making it current and sexy and it of it's and not in any way that anybody would think it wasn't cool to watch that movie and that is not easy to do yeah I Totally. I can't even imagine what it would be like to be shown this and not the Olivia Hussey version. Right. Yeah. Of Romeo and Juliet. Because that's what we watch. <laughs> we watch uh, both, actually. Our teacher, I think, was really tired that week. I had a, I had an English teacher that taught this when we watched the Olivia Hussey version. And then I had an English teacher that taught this. And I was like, oh, I understand this mm, now. Yeah. So I think a big thing with this type of stuff is getting a good teacher and somebody that can explain it to you because still even watching it now things that she said click in my head like oh i remember what that line means because she explained it like so hey thanks teacher whose name i don't remember (laughs) it's been a very long time (laughs) but yes that was somewhere hbo stars we have way too many things now um drama 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 i am going to say that the movie dangerous lies is a drama and that is 
you, I, I was talking about it on the tweeters. Oh, this is the <laughs> Knives Out Lifetime knockoff? <gasps> yeah, I mean, it's like a Hallmark movie. So it started... So so Dangerous Lies is on Netflix. It stars um, it Cam- right now. Camilla Mendez, who is um, Veronica on uh, the Riverdale show. Um, she's very good, okay. in my opinion. And um, the boy who was the boy in... Um, not the boy... <laughs> that was a doll but the kid who was in um the new independence day movie that nobody saw yep including me but he's he's good and i like him he's in the boys too i think but that's not a show i watch so dangerous lies starts it's very melodramatic in the trailer that i watched on the netflix and i was like okay i would watch this this seems easy I, I'm, I feel like this is an easy movie. And then it starts and I start screaming how it's like a Hallmark movie. Mm-hmm. I said, this is a Hallmark movie. This is a Hallmark movie. Yelling, like, this is what a Hallmark... This is like somebody gave the directive, make a darker Hallmark movie and here's some more money Ooh, than you okay. usually have. And I and, and I was like, this is a Hallmark... I wouldn't shut up about it. So I went and looked and the writer-director have done so many Christmas movies and Hallmark nice. movies. So I was completely right. But what ends up happening is, while there is a very, you can attest to this, like a very obvious formula for Hallmark style slash Christmas movies, that 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 isn't applied to thrillers and in like murder mysteries. Hmm. That same formula is not applied to other genres. So basically, what they did is they took a lighter formula for like a christmas movie and plugged it into darker material Hmm. thus giving you something very weird and unexpected Ooh, okay i'm into it like i don't know i can't with my whole chest say that it was good but it was so weird and different like it took Hmm. turns i didn't expect characters got really dramatic when i didn't expect them to okay okay like there were strange dynamics i like all these things i'm into it it's on Netflix, so I mean, added to if you have it's added. if you have Netflix and you watch ten minutes of it and go like, I don't know about this, but there's there's some big knives out energy at the beginning. It okay. definitely dissipates, but like there there are um, pick there are scenes of Veronica from the Riverdale standing there in like a cute sweater with cute little pants and little tennis shoes holding a tray, and I'm like, this is this is literally. We're watching somebody try to do this right now, but it's okay. I like okay. it. Okay, all right. I'll give it a go. Okay. Oh, and she has some wild, like, proto-90s clothes. Like, nice. I don't know. I loved it. Um, do you consider a thriller a drama, or would you put thriller in horror? It, it depends on which way it leans, but now I'm curious. Which one? Um, The Stepfather remake. Oh, I'd probably put that in horror, but you said it now, so now we have to talk about it. Um, so as you might know, we watched The Stepfather and The Stepfather mm-hmm. 2, like, a while ago. And I liked The Stepfather kind of a lot, and the second one, eh, diminishing returns. But still good. So I thought that this movie was going to be terrible. So we have, like, actively put off watching it. And the remake is Penn Badgley and Dylan Walsh and Celia Ward and Amber Heard. It is stacked. It's a stacked cast. So I was like, all right, we'll do it. This movie is very good. Really? And it's, it, it is very much in the, so it's creepy and okay. unsettling. 
And there are things that we kind of write off about Terry O'Quinn's stepfather where like he's just weird and awkward. He's a weird, strange dad. It's a different time. But like Dylan Walsh's stepfather is like unsettling Mm. and like the characters seem to notice it a little bit. Okay. (laughs) Which is, which is interesting. And like my, it does, it, 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 it is a it is a remake of it in the best possible way. Like it takes the heart of it and modernizes it. There's a lot of this. I think it's from like 2009. There's a lot of like email and texts and <laughs> cell phone stuff, but like it, it's embraced. And I really like when movies embrace the modern technology instead of trying to find ways to remove it. Like I all their cell phones are dead or the stepfather took them all and put them in water or you know right like, right we have to work around it and with it instead of like just removing it which I, I appreciate and the stepfather has one of my favorite character turns and I'm not gonna say what it is mm. but it's really interesting character choice that happens in the movie and it, they do the they do it in this movie and like it's just so good oh my god Interesting. Oh. All right, I'm, I might give it a go. I'm curious. I liked it so much, and I was so surprised. Yeah, I'm. I am surprised to hear that. Oh, the the director is like a TV guy. Yeah, he Every... also did the Prom Night remake. Yes, which I which, which should have I, been good. I know, but it's it's. I don't know that that has some interesting things going for it. I think it, it's an interesting movie that again does something interesting format wise. Yeah. It does what you wouldn't expect with it, but. I didn't like it that much. Mm-hmm. This is very, I don't know. I, I can easily see somebody saying, what are you talking about? It was terrible. But I think that for a while we were just really done with 2000s remakes yeah. of things and with attractive, oh. Right, oh, here's another CW cast member hot. in a PG-13 horror film. Yeah. Like, oh, I liked it. <laughs> nice. And I think that's it for drama. I think everything else I could call horror. Okay. Yeah, I, I have some that kind of go to both ways, but um, for drama, I guess, again, this one kind of also goes to both, but 1945's adaptation of The Picture of Dorian Gray. Oh, fun. Yeah. Um, I w- had wanted to watch this one because it's one of, Ange- it might be Angela Lansbury's first film. Uh, she's very young in it. She was nominated for an Oscar. What's interesting is she sings in the film, and Brand's like, well, that doesn't sound like her. I'm like, yeah, I'm pretty sure she was dubbed. And then I look it up and she wasn't, which is so interesting because it's her probably playing like the ingenue and singing like an ingenue, which sounds mm. so weird out of her mouth. Um, and this is okay. It's it's a little long. It, it does some really cool things. It's 1945. It's in black and white, but it uses color occasionally, like when it's showing the portrait, it will use this flash of color that's really unsettling. Um, and the ending is done well. I think there's other things about it that were probably very haze code enforced that make it a little less interesting. So I don't know. It's interesting if you're curious, but it didn't leave me overwhelmed. Um, another oldie, I forget what year this one was. It's also sometime in the forties, uh, a gentleman's agreement with Gregory mm-hmm. Peck. This is what won the best picture Oscar. Um, apparently Elia Kazan who directed it, doesn't really understand why (laughs) because it's the concept is is good it's gregory peck is a journalist who is trying to you know find something to write about and decides he is going to write about anti-semitism by pretending to be a jew for a few weeks and basically writing about his experiences as how he's treated differently 
So it's kind of like just one of the guys, but in the 1940s and about Jews instead of women. Mm. Um, so there's certain things about it that age weirdly. because, And also, I think it, it's I'm not Jewish and it's 2020. So understanding the um, discrimination against Jews in 1940s is not something I'm overly familiar with. But it's clearly there. And also is an easy um, metaphor for many other races and cultures and so on the problem is the movie isn't i don't know that interesting or good about doing it mm-hmm. um like there's it ends up being very like mansplaining in some ways like at one like gregory peck's secretary is jew he finds out she's jewish and she's covered it up that she said like look i've i learned that in order to get a job in order you know i've just had to not be jewish and he lectures her on that. And you're like, what What the fuck? Dude, you're not, you can't do this. Um, there's a romance that is interesting in it not working, but yet the movie insists on making it work. And you're just watching it thinking that is the least interesting thing you could do with this story right now. Mm-hmm, so mm-hmm. I don't know, ultimately not overly satisfying. And um I mean, interesting for its time. A very a, like a baby Dean Stockwell is in it as a kid. Oh, that's so it's fun. cute. You're like, oh, look at him. He's like nine. But overall, just very very unsatisfying for me. Huh. Um, switching gears, uh, HBO's new release um, that got a lot of press because of the people involved in it. Uh, Bad Education with Hugh Jackman, Allison Janney, Ray Romano. Really good cast. Uh, I watched this because it is set in Long Island. This was about a scandal that happened in the early 2000s. I don't, I didn't know about it, but um, happened in Ro- the town of Roslyn, Long Island, which is Nassau <laughs> County. I'm from Suffolk County, so it's not that close to me. But I had a friend who lived in Roslyn, so I've been to Roslyn a lot. Um, and basically, it was the um, superintendent and uh, his kind of financial secretary. Turns out they were embezzling a whole lot of money from the school district. <sighs> But as this was happening, the school district was doing great. Like, the school was ranked number four in the country for public schools. So the parents and the PTA and a whole lot of people were very reluctant to do anything about it because yeah. they knew once they did, then, like, and the and the, what else that affects? Like, that affects real estate in your neighborhood because if your school is the top, then you can sell houses for a lot. But then you get a scandal like this, and that destroys a lot of things. So it's it's pretty interesting. I think I feel like you would enjoy it. Yeah, I was kicking around yeah. re- whether to watch it. Um, is Ray Romano good in it? He's good. I think, yeah, he's very good. I think in he's it. very good. Or I think he has the ability to be very. He, good. Oh, he does. I think he's he's done the last couple of years. Um, what was uh, the big sick? He's so good in that. Yeah, uh, he's he, great. He doesn't get as much to do in this, but he's he's very good. Um, Allison Janney is obviously fantastic, and she gets to do a really good Long Island accent. Hugh Jackman, I don't know what accent he's doing. It is not <laughs> a Long Island accent. I'll have you know. Um, but he's he's great in it. And it's... Uh, I don't want to give away something about the character. I feel like you you, you suspect it very early on. But it's a, it's a type of character that I, I always want to see Hugh Jackman play more. Um, and it's interesting to see him get to play somebody his age, for one thing. Because I think, you know, Hugh Jackman now is probably like 50-something. And he gets to play a man who gets plastic surgery and like all these little things that are really interesting. And I think he, he for so long has been forced to play superheroes 
and there's a better, more interesting, more nuanced actor underneath that. So it's nice to see him get to do that. Huh. Uh, I might watch it. I, I think you'll like it. I'm, I'm, I want to hear about it. Um, okay. Um, so you talked about a movie that you felt ashamed you'd never seen. <laughs> what is it like to be Italian and have never seen The Godfather Part 2? Yeah, I don't know. I don't know if I've ever seen it or I don't remember it. I don't know. But your last name is Olivia, you know, I mean, uh, yeah. So, I mean, I, (laughs) and this was the prime example of both Godfather. I watched about two years ago. Um, But these are movies that, again, I assumed I'd seen them. I assumed I knew enough of the references. I watched Sopranos. I watched Goodfellas. I know the Godfather. I don't need to sit down and watch them. But so I finally did. I watched Godfather, again, a year or two ago and loved it. Um, Godfather 2 I watched for a podcast. Um, I don't think it's been released yet. So, But when it is, I'll tell everybody. But it's for um, Nick Nadel's Nadel's, um, movies my friends have never seen. And the concept of his podcast is basically watching a movie – with somebody of a movie that they were supposed to have seen but never did. And for me, Godfather 2 is a great example of that. Um, I mean, it's the Godfather 2. You watch it, and I think, to me, still the most impressive thing is thinking Francis Ford Coppola made this the same fucking year he made the conversation. Mm. Um, Mm -hmm. But I am going to be on the minority who say, I think I like the Godfather more than I like the Godfather 2. Um, I think most people lean towards part 2 as being the masterpiece. I think the first one is actually a more... Um, uh, what's the word? More surprising, more involving film. Godfather 2 is very good. Um, it is as good as everybody says it is. But I just found it a little less interesting and less kind of emotionally involving than the first one. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, a movie. I don't know if you saw this. Did you see Jackie with Natalie Portman? No. I always... Meant to mm-hmm. or wanted to, but never committed to it for some reason. Yeah, it's another. I one. think I was afraid it would be bad. It's it's not bad. I think it. I I feel I wasn't bored, but I think you might be bored. I don't know. Um, mm. I watched it with Brandon, who's a big kind of JFK um knowledge person. He knows all about that stuff. I I know less. It's never been an era or a subject that's you know I've found overly interesting the way a lot of people do. Um, the reason I had wanted to watch this was purely because it's the same person that did the score for Under the Skin. Mm-hmm. I forget her name. I know um, her name starts with an M. I can't remember it. But I wanted to watch it because I heard the score was really good. I'm like, I just want to listen to the score. And the score is very good. Uh, but this is good. Um, I'm not always the biggest Natalie Portman fan. She does very good work here. And the secret to her work, I'm like, there is a key to understanding what she's doing is the way the movie it it um because it basically is her the few days after JFK is killed and it alternates with foot not footage because it's faked footage but it's her um filming the tour of the white house that she had done for television a couple of years earlier and the the brilliance of what this film does is it shows her you see her putting on her Jackie Kennedy first lady persona Uh, for the cameras and then you see her battling with how much of that to maintain and how much she can shed for my husband just got shot in the head in uh, on top of me Mm. and I have to tell my children and I have to plan his funeral but I'm still the first lady but I'm not the first lady and I and the key is to see and I think it's so it's really brilliant when you look at both the performance and the putting together this film to, to see, you get to see this woman 
in the different parts of her decision making of what she's presenting to the world and it's very interesting for that hmm is it streaming? Did you watch it streaming? Did I had that? recorded it off HBO a couple of years ago. It might still be on HBO then. It's probably somewhere, but I don't know where huh. it is. I I visit I vividly can picture the like the cover or the poster or whatever, mm-hmm. and I know it's been available. I just don't know if it is anymore. I was interested because like it seems interesting, but then you get into that whole like ugh. Am I going to hate this? Because it, it could, for me, personally, it could go either way. Like, it could be engaging and amazing yeah. and emotional, or it could be exactly what I don't want from this type of, like, biopic kind and of. And I, you know. I don't know how it will play for you. It's not what you think it's... It, I think anybody on paper seeing, oh, a movie called Jackie about Jackie Kennedy is going to expect something. And even the way it starts, it's framed by her being interviewed by Billy Crudup as a reporter. Mm-hmm. And like that to me, I was like, oh, I don't like that. I, it's when it becomes very self-aware. It, you know, you have an unnamed reporter who's asking questions and she's answering them, but not. And I didn't like that aspect. But by the end, it makes sense because you, you see that they have done something with that, too. Interesting. Um, so I feel like it is what it is, is it takes what should have been. To me, it's like what I think of when I think of the movie Loving, um, of the Jeff Nichols movie where any other director could have taken this story and told a really straightforward movie that would have won the Oscars. Instead, he took this story and made it about these people and told it slightly in a different way that made it, to me, such a brilliant movie, but one that isn't going to win Oscars. I think that's the case with Jackie. This could have been a very straightforward movie. The The interview with the reporter could have been the movie, but what it manages to do is something very small and there's very small choices where you see what's being done um Greta Gerwig is in it in a supporting part so that's oh that's always something to get me to do something yes um so I'd recommend it I I think I don't know you might hate it so I apologize if you do but I think it's worth watching it's different there's more to it than you think there's gonna be um then okay uh 1994's quiz show one of Brandon's favorite movies that I had never seen Mm -hmm. uh have you ever seen this um, a, a while ago, and I don't remember it. It's good. It's a very good movie. Um, one that I had avoided seeing, because I don't know, it just seemed like not something I needed to sit down and watch. It's fairly long. But it's very, it has a really good cast. It's John Turturro, Ray Fiennes, um, uh, blah, 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 other people, many of them. Um, mm-hmm. Mira Sorvino's in it as the wife, but yet the movie manages to not make her the wife. Like, the movie again like she's she's there as the wife but yet it gives her two scenes and you it's not a one of those like i'm here to help my husband like no it's her challenging him in a way that makes the movie what it is like so there's that um ray finds is so perfect and so perfectly cast and it's the case of a movie where if you went wrong with that character and that actor nothing would work um but he is just the epitome of what that man is of this kind of golden boy that you really want to like. It's good. I mean, again, it's very kind of traditional filmmaking, but it's, Mm -hmm. it's that when it's done well and it's done very well. And then on a different note, because I think this is another case of a movie that could have done that, but doesn't because it's made by somebody um, with different ideas. Uh, Somebody who was in Jackie. 
Christine, I finally watched Little Women. <gasps> did you? I did. Wait, I think I saw. I wait. No, I think I saw on Facebook that one I did. time. I threw I something out about it. I think on Twitter. Um, <laughs> just yeah, because I'm watching it. I'm like, God, fuck you, Greta Gerwig. You're so good. You get it. You fucking get it. And you made it work. You made an adaptation of a book that is celebrated by women, but yet is kind of problematic in some ways to women. Um, you managed to do it. You managed to put it together in, by taking it apart by like, and I can imagine, like I bet when she was putting this together, her room was just post-its everywhere and her like beautiful minding it and just moving things around and, and, and everything. I think I have a memory of her talking about the scene um, with Joe and all her pages laid out yeah. was like was like pulled from what she was, what she was doing. doing. I could believe it. <laughs> because it I mean it I I did not grow up with little women the way a lot of um very literary minded women I know did. I'd never <laughs> read it. Uh, I, so I read it earlier this year. I think I read it back in January because I'm like I, I feel like I, I feel like it's like my book of shame that I haven't read. And I didn't, I mean, I could see why it was so important. I could see why some women really pull from it. But what, but reading it was also, I'm like, yeah, I mean, there's wonderful things in here. There's really, really great women stuff and, and great powerful stuff. But it's also, you know, in many ways about a woman giving up certain things and settling and settling for a guy that doesn't, isn't great on the page and living this life. And especially you read it, you're like, come on, Joe's just a lesbian. Like, can we embrace that? Cause that would make so much more sense. Um, and you know, spoiler alert in the movie, Joe still isn't a lesbian, which is a shame. Cause I think it would really work if they went that way. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But she, she manages to make it work because it is um, what she does with that aspect of the story. She sells it for a modern audience in a way that works perfectly um everybody is so good fucking florence Pugh, so, so good good um yeah and it's i mean it's joyful it's funny it's very funny um i cried i laughed i loved it it was wonderful it it does make me angry at how good it was yeah yeah. It's. I haven't. I bought it. Like I bought it right when it came out, and I haven't rewatched it because mm. in the theater, I, I've never had like a theater experience that I can remember like that. Yeah. I cried from the moment it started to the moment it ended. <laughs> I That's cried so many tears nonstop. I didn't stop crying. I didn't move. I yeah. I was leaned slightly to the left. I didn't move. I didn't take a sip of water. Mm-hmm. I didn't straighten out. I didn't. I. I was frozen. And the fucking wild thing is, was everyone else was too. Oh, yeah. Like we, no one in that theater moved, and everyone clapped at the end. Like it was. It was so engaging. Yeah. Like the, the, I was set, seated next to an older dude. He didn't move the entire. Oh. He was riveted, and I and I'm afraid to watch it because I'm. Af- I don't know. Like I, I, I'm kind of in love with the experience I had with yeah, it. Yeah. Yeah. Um. It. It's just really good. I feel like it's, it's a great so lesson in how to adapt something too. It's look, you. What do you do when you adapt? Like, and it's really. It's a very close adaptation. It's not like she changes much. It's that she changes some key things. She makes certain decisions in terms of casting and presentation. And then she, and, and the way it's not just that it's out of order. It's that it's, it, the order is mixed in a way that brings out things and it is so powerful and so perfect. So question 
I know we're going really long, but I'm very curious to hear your your feedback on this. Were you confused about the time jumps? No. No, because in part, um, I'd read the book. So I, like, I I went in knowing, I can't remember if I knew that it was like the time was shuffled or not, but it starts and I'm kind of like, okay, I guess this is, this is later because I know. And then very quickly, I'm like, okay, well, now I know it because I'd read the book. So I remember everything, the sequence of everything. So when it's out of sequence, I knew it was out of sequence, but also like, look, Joe has short hair now. So, you know, this is then Joe has long hair now. Amy has bangs. Now she doesn't have bangs. Like to me, she gave you the things you needed if you were unfamiliar with it. But I, I felt that way too, because the color palette also changed Mm -hmm. between the, but like there was this whole thing about like people were saying they didn't understand that the time changed and they were very confused. (sighs) Yeah. And then people said, but the color palette was completely different because it was very blue Mm. versus like warm and sunny. Like, so I never had, I think the first time it happened, I had to go like, oh, okay. And then I never noticed it again. It just happened. But then I guess people really like got upset and was like, you're, you're dumb. You're bad at movies. You're bad at watching movies. (laughs) You don't pay attention. You're bad at reviewing movies. I can't believe you didn't notice that. And then a couple of people said, well, for when it was, I, I heard people say my projecting of the movie I wasn't clear that the colors changed, so I don't know that oh. how the quality of the film was for me. And I wondered, like, because I haven't watched it at home yeah. yet, I wonder if it's if if that's going to be very clear, like on a home mm. video release. And maybe people did get muddied. I know we don't send out film prints anymore. Yeah, but yeah. Like, but like, I don't know. I know there's a there was a theater near us that we would go to that we. Like, if we knew we were seeing a horror movie or something, like, of that nature, we wouldn't go to that theater because they project really dark. Wow. And so we, you don't see things right. Right, right. So, like, we would, oh, we're, let's not go to this one. So I, I just wondered if it was very obvious in, like, a home video release. You know, I didn't, I didn't, I don't remember, which means I probably wasn't overly thinking about that. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Huh. Mm-hmm. Oh. That makes me sad. Hmm. Oh. Um, well. Yeah, but how it's it's so meta without like I don't know, and then just the whole I don't the fact that it ended up getting so few Oscar nominations when the theme of it was you know oh people don't want stories about women yes they do yeah. like and you're like oh yeah except for the fucking men voting for Oscars but anyway anyway I digress <laughs> um, it's brilliant it's wonderful I I absolutely loved it um, the last drama that isn't again like I could put this in drama I could put it in comedy I could put it in horror. Um, and it's a good segue, although I'm wondering if we, um, if we do this one, talk about the turning and then do a separate episode on the horror we've been watching. Do you have a long list of horror movies? <sighs> no. Okay. All right. So we'll keep going. It's up to you. I mean, I can, a lot of these, I don't, yeah, there's only a few, I only have a few and only like two of them. I have actual things to say. <laughs> okay. I can go quick then. So the other one that I rewatched was The Lighthouse. Uh, which I still haven't seen. Oh, oh darn it. Okay. Um, I loved it the second time. Brandon hadn't seen it and he wanted to watch it. And so I'm like, okay, I don't know what you're going to think, but okay. And we finished and I look at him like googly eyed. He's like, I don't know what to think. I'm like, ah, yep, that's about fair. So <laughs> on second viewing, I loved it. Um, I think what was cool was I'm like, you know, I could watch this movie with different interpretations. And I think there's a lot of different interpretations you can assign it. 
and it works anyway. So I'll I'll say no more because you'll eventually watch it and then we'll talk. I will I will eventually watch it. Okay, it's on Amazon, so watch it soon before your Amazon leaves. Okay. All right. So horror. Tell me what you got. This is not. This is more like maybe thriller sci-fi, but I'm going to call it horror because it works there as well. I don't want to spoil too much about it, but um, it's Underwater, which is the Kristen Stewart movie oh, yes, that yes. came out. Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't see it in the theater because I was. I don't like T.J. Miller. I never liked T.J. Miller, mm-hmm. and then all the stuff about T.J. Miller came yep. out, and I can't with that person. Good. So I was just like, I don't need to see this. And then a couple people were repping it really hard. I was like, uh, maybe I should have saw it. Then it, so it came out um, on home video, DVD or whatever. And I and Zach and I were like, okay, well let's check it out because I, I cannot express to you how much I love Kristen Stewart. I know. Um, this movie is not what you think it is whatever anybody thinks this movie is it's not that <laughs> it's something different it this movie is five different things this movie is about nothing and everything it is claustrophobic it is weird it is i don't know did any of it even happen i don't know i don't know what even goes on in this movie i cannot express to you my love for this nice. it is so fucking good it's weird it's so weird and i so i bought it haven't rewatched it yet um but she's very good in it I've heard that. Very good and very likable and oh, I don't know. It's disturbing. It's gross. It's scary. It's upsetting. It's really sad. It's bleak. I don't. I can't say enough things about this movie. And then what it turns into, unless you know what it's about, what it turns into will shock you. Okay, I should watch it soon then before I find out. Because I and I suggested this to my mom, who was not really interested in it. She flipped out at how good it was. Yeah. She was like, "I can't believe I had no idea that this was this movie." Uh, but nice. like, ugh. And like, you know, underwater stuff, space stuff bothers me. This sure. does like the space stuff that bothers me, but underwater. <laughs> <laughs> and yet, you're still uh, repping for it. So I loved it. Okay. So that's that. Um. So this isn't really horror, but I'll call it horror. The Hunt. Oh, yeah. Yeah. What'd you think? Um, Put it off like crazy. Yeah. Because I thought it was going to be bad. One person told, like somebody I really trust was like, I didn't like it. I walked out. Oh, wow. And I was like, oh, okie dokie. Well, um, I liked it a lot. Um, Betty Gilpin. That's Mm -hmm. her name, right? Yep. Very, very good. Very, very good. I've heard. Um, It's it's weird what it's about what it actually ends up being about is strange i don't know why anybody was upset about this movie people say when i when i say um this person wants to be called she instead of he or they instead of she that i get told that's outrage outrage culture which is wild to me the people that got upset about this movie before anybody saw it that's (laughs) outrage culture because this movie is not at all what you think it's about (laughs) It's it's very funny and weird, and I liked it a lot. I know people were kind of like, I've seen some stuff that was mixed on it. I don't know if I'll be like, if I'll ever need to rewatch it, mm-hmm. but I got something out of it. Oh my gosh, and the stunts are really good. Betty Gilpin is really good. Yeah. So it's worth, she's w- worth the price of admission. That, that is what I've heard. It's on my list. So that was fun. I already talked about that. I rewatched The Ruins. And then yeah. talked about it for a thousand years on Twitter. You said that held up well, right? Yeah, it was yeah. really I good. I always really liked it. I think I was impressed with it the first time I saw it. 
because it wasn't what I expected. I kind of expected it to be a bit like trite and throwaway. Yeah, and it's it's especially for its time and for it being oh, pretty young people in in yeah. that era meant kind of bland. But it, it's rougher than most of its ilk, if you will. Yeah, it's upsetting and visceral yeah. and gross and and. And it's dark, like, kind of what we were talking about. It's dark. Like, it yeah. has a dark turn and a dark ending. But, like, I don't I don't care. It's still really entertaining. And the character stuff is good. So that is a thumbs up if anybody wants to watch that. I think 2008. Um, so watch Doctor Sleep uh, again. Mm-hmm. I got the... Director's the, cut. Yeah. Got the blue... I think the Steelbook that has the director's cut. I don't remember. Um, it's, so it's longer obviously but um i would just follow mike flanagan when i eventually watch it should i watch the director's (laughs) cut or should i watch the theatrical cut so do the director's cut okay that's what my gut tells me um you don't you don't necessarily lose i'm doing air quotes anything (laughs) with the theatrical but you gain so much okay (laughs) with the directors there's so much more um danny stuff and i don't know like i don't know how you feel about the shining um i i i I love the movie i don't think of the movie as a king adaptation yeah i i love a lot of the book i think the book I, i don't love kind of the ending which is true of almost any stephen king property but i think the first 400 pages are some of his best writing um i don't like the book at all um i i did was bored by it and i didn't like point of view that being said i had see i had seen the shining the kubrick shining like a million times sure. before i read the book so that could have tainted things Definitely. for me it's the shining is one of my favorite movies i've seen it mm-hmm. so much it's i think it's maybe one of my most watched movies this is the most beautiful companion to that movie nice. and um you get a lot and so for me the shining is about danny and wendy um so and I'm, the book's not about that. I think right. that's where the dis- disconnect is for me. Um, but this sense. movie, when you watch the director's cut, you get so much more Danny. And s- there's just there's a part that's missing from the theatrical that, for me, is extremely important to the character. Okay, that's fair. But, like, oh my gosh, you're going to love it. I think you're going to love it. I'm excited to watch it. It's just one of those, eventually I'll get there. So It's it's very, I, I cannot say. It played better the second time. I Nice. It is so good. Um, I rewatched The House on Haunted Hill. <laughs> yes. I don't know. I guess it was in order this time. That movie, I just want it to be better than it is. True. True. I get it. <laughs> That's all. Um, I rewatched As Above, So Below, which is on Netflix. Is that worth my time? Yes. Okay. When we when we watched it, I thought it was going to be kind of a it was a risky watch for me. Like this is probably going to suck, or this is going to be kind of generic found footage type yes. stuff. There are some really spooky gags in it, and I think the overall plot is um, interesting enough to push okay. it through. That's the catacombs so, one. Yes. Okay. So yeah, it's on it's on Netflix. Yes, I've seen it go by. I think I think there's visuals in it that I think about constantly. Like hmm. it'll just pop into my head, and I'll be like, "Ugh, that was spooky." Cool. Um, I watched Vivarium, which is a movie that is out now. Okay, it sounds familiar. With Imogene Poots and Jesse Eisenberg. Okay, any good? 
I loved it. Hmm. It is about cool. it is about a weird housing thing, like uh, where all the houses look the same, and you hmm. okay. go in there. What oh, it? now okay, now I remember people talking about this because they were saying it's one of those like, oh boy, is this timely type movies. So yeah, my whole I wrote uh, a couple tweets about it. So it definitely is like about like millennials being forced into adulthood and, mm-hmm. and being forced into lives they're not ready for, weren't prepared for, can't afford. Yep. Um, and then kind of resenting it while they have to do it. There's a lot of stuff like that in it. But when you watch it now, right this second, it is, it's um, like viscerally upsetting. <laughs> Got it. There's like a there's like a like a characters frozen in time kind of thing. It reminded me of a Twilight Zone episode. There is one where they're stuck in a dollhouse in the Twilight Zone. That's not what this is about. Okay. But it reminded me of that. And um, there is there is an a part. There's something about that of a repetitive nature of that that this movie has that is very real. Mm, and, okay. And it, and it and I had a weird. I didn't notice it while I was watching it, but when we shut it off, I I used to like set all my stuff up the night before for work like i would make sure like my yeah lunch like bags are ready out, for tomorrow my yeah out. i get yeah. it so i we got we were getting ready for bed right after it shut it off getting ready for bed and then i realized i didn't have to do any of that yeah and that tomorrow was effectively going to be the same as today and it i got like like Freaked very out. upset Ooh, <laughs> yeah okay. like like oh god no am i in this movie <laughs> Um, but I, yes, I recommend it highly. We, it, okay, I didn't, I it. don't think it's streaming anywhere. Ah, I could I be wrong. So many people were talking about it, but. It was like one of those new. Really, oh, I don't so know if we're it, probably renting oh, it. I don't know if it was supposed to be theatrical, but like it, it, it definitely has. Right. A good yeah. Time. It's rentable right now. Not, uh, free, but okay. Um, f- rewatch the Friday the 13th remake. And... I have a heart. I have a, a hard time remembering this movie because it's structured really strange. It we is, have like, yeah. We have an extended like opening with characters. Yep, yep. It's like then, parts one to three in the first five minutes before the credits. And then like Daniel Panabaker and her group show up. Mm-hmm. But then the dude from Supernatural is kind of separate. So it feels like different movies. Yes. And the reason we rewatched it was because I couldn't, I kept getting confused. And Zach was like, let's just watch it again. I don't know. This movie could be bad, could be worse, but it's not great. I hated it when it came out. I saw it in the theater, and it was one of those. I'm like, you know, this. It was sh- like shortly after the My Bloody Valentine remake, which was so good. And I think I went in thinking, like, I'm gonna get that. I'm gonna get fun. I'm gonna get a series that's never been that good that you're gonna bring new energy to. And I just, I hated it. Um, to me, it was very like, oh, you have you have the most interesting character. Like, you have Aaron Yu and the other... It's like, you have the Asian guy and the black guy who are funny, who are cool. And at one point, I'm like, are they going to make it? And they're dead now. And yeah. I'm like, as soon as they were dead, I'm like, I'm out. There's nothing here for me. And I just remember hating it. But it's been a while. I, I could have... I was probably more prone to anger at that point. Yeah. I wonder how I'd feel about it today. I think, for me, it's just really interesting, like the way that the structure of the story they chose to tell like why did they even choose to tell that story i don't know it's strange and it's it's interesting who's in it like there's a lot of recognizable people in it i don't know i can't say that i recommend it (laughs) and the last thing i have is 
I watched The Lodge. Oh, yes, you did, which I am very intrigued. So this is the the people that made Goodnight Mommy, right? Yes. So yeah. The Lodge um, has Riley Keough in it, who I love. Is very good. Yeah. I love her. She's and just it has, so interesting. She's beautiful and cool. And I have, uh, and it has Jaden Martell in it, who was in Knives Out and It. Mm, and, okay. Um, I love that little boy. Yep, he's very he's cute. Um, and there's a cute little girl in it. Oh, and Richard Armitage is in it. Anyways, oh. it's got a good cast. Um, this is apparently very divisive. I've I've I seen know. that. Yeah, which is why yeah. I need to watch it soon. So I was like, so <laughs> I will get into it. I'm sure when you start talking about a certain movie. But when people say, I there's we figured out keywords to movies to figure out if we're gonna like them. <laughs> so when people talk negatively about movies. And I'm painting with a broad brush here. Sure. If it if it's starring a woman, I'm immediately like, well, that I'll checks the box. Like <laughs> yeah. You hate you hate this movie and it's starring a woman. Oh wait, did a woman make it or write it? All right. Um, oh, you said it was slow. Okay. The <laughs> ending was ambiguous. Sure. Nothing really happened. Great. So this <laughs> is a movie for me. Thank you. Thank you everyone for telling me that I like with this movie. Now I didn't love The Lodge. Like, I didn't, okay. I'm not head over heels for it. I am a turning girl. I do definitely think they are kinfolk. These two movies are very... Okay. They, they, um, these movies would be very good friends, I think. There is something, um... I think that if I were to watch The Lodge again, I would revel in its predictability. And what I mean by that is that the movie is not coy about what it's about. And you know what? I kind of like that. If you're paying attention, the movie tells you what it's about. Okay. But Hereditary told you what it was about, too. Oh, very too. much, yeah. But I think there's something about the way The Lodge does it where you keep expecting something different to happen, but it doesn't. Okay. It's it's 100% what you think it's going to be. And and I and I loved that about it. And the more I think about it, because Zach wasn't really wild about it, which doesn't really happen. We mm. usually are yeah. pretty synced up. He's like, I liked it. And it was very pretty. It was very well shot, and okay. it's in the snow. And you know, I love I that like snow. Yeah. And it, but it, it's unflinchingly what it's about, and I like that. Like it said, sure. this is what our movie is about, and we're gonna fucking lean into it. Um, I would like you to watch it. Okay, I will. I will. I'll, but I'll... I did like it, and the performances were good, and there were there were a couple like, ooh, oh, there's dog stuff in it though, but it's not. Yeah. Well, not, if I go in knowing that, I'll I'll be better. It's not over the top, and it's not okay. me. Okay, it's like circumstantial dog stuff, which Got it. sucks. Okay, but I know that it happens, so that's helpful. So, but yes, I enjoyed it quite a bit. Okay, I, I will watch it soon because I feel like I need to weigh in. All right, um, so my horror. So, okay, I think these are all. I divided them up roughly, so I think I'll start with my Shutter watches. Ooh. Uh, Monster Party, which I think you spoke about a few weeks ago. Oh, that one! Yeah, so I've complete. I figured it out completely. I want to see more from this director directing yeah. other people's scripts. Because That's fair. I, I think he has a good eye, he has a good hand, but I think there is so much missing in that. And it's a good setup. 
Um, the cast is unfairly good. Like, you do not put Robin Tooney and Lance Reddick in a movie and then waste them. And this movie kind of does that. It does, for sure. But that being said, like, the two young women in this movie, who I've, I've seen both of them in other stuff, and they are so good. And, like, it's one of those cases where I'm like, oh, I'm like, it's it says something when you can get me to care about young people in a movie. Because a lot of times I can't. It's so easy not to. And mm-hmm. the characters aren't great. Like, nobody's overly good, like, nice in this movie. But I'm, but I'm into them. And I think this movie pulls, like, a really mean punch that I think it thinks it's being clever at doing. But it just feels gross. Um, like, it reveals something about a character. And then you're like, oh, okay, so this character, oh, no, okay. But it just feels mean the way it does it. Um, mm. So I, I want, I think this director has a future. But I don't think he should be making his own stuff. Um, yeah, also- I I remember. I mean, I didn't. Yes, a hundred percent. I wasn't wild about this, but like, it was a well-made movie. Very much. Yeah, yeah. Like he's he's got something. I just don't think that something is in writing. So yeah. Um, Satanic Panic. I think you watched. This. <gasps> Did you love it? It's really fun. I liked I it a lot. I think it. There was a little bit of like here and there. I'm like, you're trying really hard to have like really clever Kevin Williamson, Joss Whedon dialogue. And sometimes it was a little much for me, Mm -hmm. but I thought it was really fun. This is the horror comedy and the lead actress I thought was very charming. And that went a very long way. Uh, Also on Shudder, something I'd recommend highly. I think I already did on Facebook. Um, So we, when we watched the hair hair child, both of us were like, "Eh, I never thought much about William. uh, Shit. Malone? Malone, thank you. I'm like, William Golding. No, that's the guy that wrote Lord of the Flies. Um, William Malone. <laughs> and so his movie from 2008, Parasomnia, is now on Shudder. And I really liked this. Uh, it It's about a... So this woman is in a sort of a coma, essentially. Like, basically, she wakes up for, like, minutes and then goes back into her coma. And there's a guy who randomly kind of stumbles upon her and is like falls in love with her. And there's a little bit of ickiness about that, but the movie moves past it pretty quickly. Um, And meanwhile, there's a serial killer who can like manipulate people in their dreams. Mm -hmm. And so what do you know, like he's sort of, you know, been able to do that to her and now she has been released upon the world. And this is just good. It's very low budget. Apparently he like financed it himself. Um... But it's it's visually really interesting. He does some cool things with different angles. Um, and he what he does, I think, ultimately, that, like, both of us really, spoke to both of us with The Fair-Haired Child, was there is a very human element to it. And there is this element of, like, kindness and love behind it that I think does come through. Um, and so I really enjoyed it. I think you would enjoy it, too. I think I, I did see you talking about it, and I think we might have added it to our watch list. Okay. Good, good. I look forward to hearing what you think. Yes. Uh, also on Shutter, Blood Quantum, which I think everybody's been talking about now. It's the kind of um, indigenous people zombie movie. Yeah, I have no idea what this is. Oh, uh, it's a zombie <laughs> movie, but the kind I, of... Sometimes I feel like I'm on a different internet. I. <laughs> it would seem. That's Okay. <laughs> There are, there are many different portals and existences and so on. And whichever one we land in will be ours. Okay. Um, so Blood Quantum is basically there's a zombie outbreak, but it turns out um, the members of a certain Native American tribe are immune to it. Not mm-hmm. that like if they if somebody eats you, you're eaten, but that if they get bit, they don't turn. 
So they have sort of created like their own sanctuary, which now white people are trying to get into. And it becomes this sort of like shift in power of, well, we're not going to let you in and, and so on. Um, this is very good. I think I wish it was either like I kind of wish it was longer because mm-hmm. it's one of those movies that you feel like it reminded me of Stakeland in some ways, just as far as like tone and, you know, it kind of being this very grand epic, but then it doesn't have enough time to do that. So I feel like this should have been an hour longer and I would and I would have liked it much more, but it's like 90 minutes and you just it's missing that. But it's it's very good. It's it's great to see diversity in a genre that is can be very stale. Um, mm-hmm. I think it finds a really interesting way of doing something different with it. So it, it's a recommend, definitely. A movie that I'm not going to recommend that I have, have a hard time because it's not. I don't know. It's I'm very I'm very mixed on how I felt about it. Pascal Lagier's Ghostland. Did you see this? No. All right. Pascal Lagier is the guy who directed Martyrs and The Tall Man. Mm-hmm. And wait, did I like The Tall Man? I think you did. Tall Man's Jessica oh, Biel. Yes, the Tall Man, Jessica Biel. Mm-hmm. Yes. We have only seen this movie once. We talk about it constantly. Yes. Um, I've been meaning, meaning to rewatch it too. So Ghostland is now some things that come up when you watch it and you realize that Pascal Lagier is very interested in, which is women. Ghostland is also about women. Um, and the setup is these two like teenage girls and their mom are moving into like a dead ants giant house with all these creepy dolls and antiques and everything. And there's a home invasion. And it, Something and it's very terrible. It's very dark. Bad things happen, but you see that you know character is ten years later. Characters have moved on. The um, main girl is now like a successful horror novelist, but she's got all these demons from this thing. And if I say any more, then I give away a lot of twists because, like both of his other movies, this movie has a very big twist. Um, so it's interesting to see that Lagier has very specific it's both a style and things that he is interested in telling stories about mm-hmm. which is great and this is a well-made movie acting is great the violence is very effective um there are certain sequences that are just very memorable but it's another movie about women being very brutally abused in some cases sexually and i don't know what to make of it i like ugh, it, mm. you literally there is a woman tied up in a basement <laughs> like that's you, a big part you, yeah of it. and it's, it's tough for me very frustrating because the, and it's like as i'm talking to you about it i'm so like i don't think you should watch it but i also think like there's things about this movie that are so you like the main character at one point is sitting there at her typewriter and she's gorgeous and has dark hair and she's, you know, writing out her next horror novel. And I'm like, Ugh, there are things about this that were made for Christine. <laughs> but I don't feel right recommending it because I think it also, and it's not that it is, you know, and I don't want to say anything about the ending or say anything about this or that. Like, it is a lot about empowering these women but the things they have to go through to get there are really awful. And it does some mm-hmm. very, pulls some very cruel tricks on its audience. And ultimately I don't feel good about it. Yeah. That's a, that's a tough one because I often, I, while I understand the need for like growth and work and motivation to get a character moving, sometimes I can't handle yeah. like the 
punishing of a character. Oh, and there's so much of that here. Yeah. yeah. That's frustrating. Um, I did uh, watch... So after this, I ended up... Well, actually, I remember it was after or before, but finally my Netflix disc for the Martyrs remake came, so I watched oh. the remake of Martyrs. Um, I feel like you should kind of watch this. I'm really? not saying it's good. So it's not really good. Um, Spencer from Pretty Little Liars is in it, and she's very good. Yes, the acting I remember is great. This like, they're fine. Everybody's good in it. The thing about it is... It's a very close remake. It actually is not shot for shot, but kind of scene for scene. And then, but it does one thing very different that I thought, you know, this isn't, this isn't very good. It's not as effective. It doesn't, it, it doesn't fully get what Martyrs did and it shouldn't anyway, because it wouldn't have worked if it was a straight remake. But it does, there's one thing it understands about Martyrs, which is that one powerful element that isn't overly explored in the film, but that it's definitely there is this, love between the between not even between the women but the love that i think it's anna has for lucy Mm. and you can read it as she's in love with her or you could just read it as she's a very devoted friend who's going to do anything for her best friend and this movie doesn't make an answer one way or the other but it makes it that aspect is stronger um to where it very much the last 20 minutes becomes more about anna's love for lucy than just Anna as the next martyr, if you will. Mm-hmm. Um, like, and I, I don't know if I should give it away, but like, there's, it, it just, it's a huge part of it. So I think there's a lot of people that probably wrote this off, and that's fair. It's not good. But for somebody to watch it and say it's just a waste of time or that it, it didn't do anything new, no, it actually did one thing very key, which is it took that relationship and made it a, it made it the climax of the movie in a way. And it ends on a very different image. There is a, and I, I'm not going to give it away, but the final image, which you've all seen of Martyrs, is very different in this one. And it speaks to that. It is about the connection these two girls have. So for that, it's kind of interesting. I wouldn't invest any work in finding it. Like if it shows up on streaming, watch it then. Because I think it does do that one thing that's really interesting that I think makes the story about something very particular. So Interesting. Yeah, yeah I thought about it. Because you know I like watching Pretty Little Liars yeah, and horror movies. That's what we do. Um, all right, some other things uh, recorded off of TCM some time ago. Dementia 13, Francis Ford Coppola's first film, I think, made under the mm-hmm. Roger Corman production. Not very good. Uh, of its huh. time, low budget, not very good. Um, 1950-somethings, When Worlds Collide, which is a sci-fi film, one of the, not not one of the first apocalypse movies, but one of the, clearly a very influential film in a lot of other apocalyptic movies, because it's about a comet's mm-hmm. going to hit the Earth. So, basically, scientists realize, oh, we're, we only have, like, two years on this planet, so we're going to start building a spaceship for people, and everybody laughs at them and says, oh, they're crazy. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's kind of, like, almost timely as far as the whole like the public not believing science so and about the end of the world so yep. yeah a little timely bit, timely um and it has some issues like a lot of 50 sci-fi stuff does but overall worth watching i think it's it's interesting if you're into that um then moving on to i think it says my amazon list we've got recommended by our good friends james and barb smuggling in suburbia which is a lifetime film by the good old Doug Campbell 
always a treasure. Mm-hmm. This is bonkers. It is very dumb. It is wonderful. I highly recommend it. Um, on Also on Amazon, a good movie from back in the day. Uh, back in the day, meaning like 2006 or something. Isolation. <laughs> with What's Ruth. that? It is a horror film. Um, it's an Irish film set in Ireland. Set in a farm where this guy has been like... Um, allowing biologists to do like testing on his cattle just for some extra money and it turns Mm -hmm. out whatever they're doing has created these parasites that are very dangerous uh this movie stars a young essie davis leader of the babadook and a young Mm -hmm. ruth nega interesting baby ruth baby baby face ruth nega uh it's good it's not great it reminded me of splinter but not quite as exciting as splinter uh, but it's a but it's good it's gooey it's it's practical effects and they look really good it's very small it's contained it's just like six people and they all die pretty quickly um, it's a good like kind of if you're if you're in the mood for like a straight like horror film that you haven't seen it, it's a it's a decent one um, a movie that I know you liked a lot uh, on Hulu I finally watched The Wind oh yeah did you like it I liked it um, I. I didn't love it. I thought it where it didn't work for me as well was some of the more horror elements. Like when it starts pulling in ghost stuff and you see the ghosts and I'm like, yeah, it's not working for me so well. But mm. the rest of it and it being a, you know, set on the prairie in the late 1800s, all of that's always going to work for me because I love that time period. I mm-hmm. thought the acting was great. thought the some really good, interesting performances going on. Um so I liked it a lot. I want to see more by the director. I just, I, I didn't want the, the traditional horror elements as much. Yeah. I get that. No. Um, over back to Amazon, a couple of, I swear, Amazon is such a treasure trove. Like there's just crap on there and it's crap that doesn't look good, but is so great. Um, one, so from 1978, the Redeemer, son of Satan. Mm-hmm. I think this might be the first um, like high school reunion horror movie I've ever seen. Ooh, that's yeah. fun. Uh, but it makes no sense because like that's part of it. There's a high school reunion and six people have been gathered to all die terrible deaths. But it's framed by like a priest who's just all about killing sinners. And I don't think it's ever explained how he knew these six people were such sinners. But it has crazy puppets. Um, crazy puppets with flamethrowers what uh, year is this from 1978 it wow. feels really ahead, ahead of its time. time and it's the director never made another film like i and i've never heard of this and it's so there are things that should be iconic in this movie like there are some great um there's marionettes there's all this crazy shit <laughs> um there's a character like my favorite trope that i think i'm like i kind of think i want to write a book about this um the fat guy in a horror movie or the fat girl whose motivation is just food and it's just always ridiculous how much they love food and then of course they end up dying often by food but in this case no because of food yeah yeah, yeah. like it's just so stupid and so lazy and every time i see it like i'm not even offended because it's so funny how dumb it is Um, so stupid yeah so this is a huge recommend for me the redeemer son of satan um minor recommend uh island of the fishmen which has like 12 other titles i think it's on amazon as screamers this is, uh, what's his name? The guy who did Torso, Ser- Sergio Martino? Yes, Sergio Martino. But also, like, recut. Apparently, Joe Dante may have 
contributed some filming to this movie. Uh, it's sort of a kind of an Island of Dr. Moroe story. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. Barbara Bach is in it. Uh, late 80s Italian. There are fishmen. They're gooey. They're gross. It's kind of fun. I recommend it. Uh, another gooey, gross practical effects tale from the 80s. They Nest. Uh-huh. About a small island that gets uh, inhabit- overrun by cockroaches. Ugh. Yeah, it's gross. Like, <laughs> we, we're currently dealing with a cockroach situation in our apartment Are building. Are you really? Yeah, it's oh, really fun. Awful. Like, But I'll tell you, if anybody has this problem, here's the key. Leave your lights on. Just don't turn your lights off, and then they won't gather. <laughs> You'll never see them. Yeah, because otherwise it becomes... I, I. So I don't know if you ever had a cockroach problem. Yes. But um, there is something kind of fun about in the mornings, like before we learned to just leave the kitchen light on, uh, I would, before I went to the kitchen, I would grab two paper towels and I would like stretch my muscles and I would go in and I would just like, bam, 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 turn the water on, grab this one, grab that one. And I would like kill them like in a massacre and it felt really good. It was very like zombie, my fantasy zombie hunting. But yeah, they nest. Pretty good cockroach movie. Very 80s. I don't think I need to watch a cockroach movie. You probably don't. Um, all right, uh, almost done. Another 80s treasurer from Amazon Prime, Nightmare at Noon. Have you ever seen this with Wings Hauser? I've never heard of it. It is, like, it's a very GGTMC movie. It is, um... It's got wings in it, so It's yeah. got wings. And, like, he's, he, like, he's not playing the usual Wings Hauser character. Like, he's playing, like, the yuppie. It's great. Uh, they, him and his uh, girlfriend pick up a hitchhiker, and they end up in this town that is overrun by, um, uh, how do I describe it? There's like, oh, goo got in the, like, radioactive goo got in the water. So if you drank the water, you turn into kind of a zombie. Um, and it turns into a Western. What? And there's a shootout. It is so bonkers and You're glorious. watching some weird shit. I know. It's all on Amazon. There's so much there. Like, once you unlock it, like, once you watch, like, three of these kinds of movies, and then Amazon keeps recommending these movies to you, you are, you have it made. Uh, you need to watch this. It's fun. It's stupid. Um, I don't know what else to say about it. It is, like, it is glorious. It is really, really over the top and very fun. You should definitely watch it. Oh, jeez. Okay. It doesn't seem like something I would like, but I trust you. You, you should give it a go. You'll find. You'll have fun. Uh, okay. okay. Also on Amazon, also from the 80s, Necromancer. Have you ever seen this? No. I've read about it at length, though. People used to really like to write about it for the magazine. I could see that. So, so I've read about it a lot. Well, what's fascinating, I mean, it's it's a very 80s horror film, but it's also, like, one of those movies that you watch now, and you're like, this is actually some really, um, like, powerful stuff. Like, so it opens, it's a, a college, um, and a young woman sees something she shouldn't see, and these three college guys rape her. And she goes home, and because she is shell-shocked, and you know, goes home and just decides, I-, I can't tell my boyfriend, he'll get really mad. She ends up telling her best friend, who's like, hey, I saw an ad for a necromancer. Let's go get you revenge. And they go to the necromancer and they get revenge. And the thing is, like, there's, this isn't a, by any means a great, great made movie. Like, I don't understand still if anything was real. They never really explain it. Um... But there is something really interesting about how this movie is dealing with the fact that this woman was just raped and this is how she's dealing with it and she doesn't know what to do. 
and she like is empowered by it but is then also kind of scared by it and you do wish that like i want a remake of this made by a woman who just digs Mm, in interesting because like really the worst character is her boyfriend and the movie doesn't quite understand that um but like there's something to it where there is like a feminist movie inside of this you just have to like peel a few things away to get there but it's i don't know it's you can watch it from a really um, analytical point of view and get something out of it, I'd say. Hmm. Interesting. I kind of always, not wrote it off, but I definitely didn't think it was for me. Yeah, I, I think there's more to it. And I might be, somebody else could read it and say, no, bullshit, it's actually very anti-woman and all these things. And I would love to have a conversation about it. Like there, there's, But there's more going on, whether that was intended or whether it's, like, I think we were talking about that movie Gone with Amanda Seyfried, where... On one hand, it just, it, like, if you watched it then, it kind of just reads as kind of a thriller, blah, blah, not that good. You watch it, like I did, right during the Brett Kavanaugh hearings, and you're like, mm-hmm. this is a movie about men not listening to women. Like, this is really an important movie, and sometimes that's an accident, and I don't know. So there's something to it that I found interesting. Interesting. Yeah. And then the last, before we talk about the turning, uh, okay, there's a movie on Amazon. I want you to watch it. I want James and Barb to watch it. Witch Hunt. Witch-hunt. I don't know what this is. 2017, made for like $9. These five women are having a birthday party and they break out like one of those, if you've ever played like Mafia or Vampire, like yeah, 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 it's yeah, like yeah. that game, but it's, it's called like Witch Hunts. So it's about a witch. And they play it and like shit starts happening. And I tell you, I turn this movie on and for the first five minutes, I am left. And Brandon walks by. He's like, what are you? He's like, is this a Lifetime movie? I'm like, no, I think it's an audition for a Lifetime movie. I feel like the director made this hoping he could get a gig at Lifetime. And I keep watching it. And at a certain point, I'm like, fuck, is this really good? I don't know. It oh. is very low budget. Some of the writing's very bad. Some of the acting's really bad. But some of the acting, you're like, oh, it's just that they're clearly, like, it feels like it was a first take. Like, because an actor stumbles over her lines, and you feel like another director would say, like, wait, let's redo that. Let's do that again. Yeah, yeah, like, I want this movie remade with more money. Like, that's all I want. Because it, I don't know, it, it kind of, like, it turns into kind of a, um, like, satanic panic plays a part in it. Because you find out, and this isn't too too much of a spoiler, because you find out pretty quickly, like, these girls are very much connected because when they were kids, um, their preschool teacher may have been abusing them, or maybe she wasn't. So, like, there's this, and what's kind of impressive is it is all dialogue. There is no special effects. There is nothing going on. It is all set in this one small house. Mm-hmm. And, like, there's something very, like, when you lean back, you're like, you know, that's actually really impressive. Like, this it's a it's a I think his name is Philip Schaefer is the writer director and clearly like he knew he couldn't work with much so he limits it and you're like this is sort of you know a a movie that found a way to just do everything in dialogue and I don't know it's it's kind of impressive if you give it if you're patient enough to wait through it by Mm -hmm. the end if you're like me you're kind of like was that good or was it just there's goodness in there that I want to see more of. I don't know. More of, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm very intrigued, and I, I want more people to watch it, because I think there is something there. Mm. Yeah. That's how I felt when I watched uh, Mike Flanagan's first movie. Absentia? Or... Yeah. Yeah. Well, the first one I saw okay. was movie Absentia. Absentia's a better movie than Witch Hunt. I'll say that yeah. much. I didn't, because I didn't like 
I can't say I didn't like Absentia. I felt like, oh, this isn't really for me. This isn't something that I'm like super into. But like Zach and I both said, like a hundred percent, I'm I'm showing up for whatever this person yes, does next. Yes, I can and see that. That really paid off. Yeah, yeah. Watch this movie before your Amazon Prime expires. And okay, other people okay. out there, just it's Witch ninety hunt. minutes. It's not long. Witch dash hunt. Um, just watch it. Tell me, am I crazy? And am I just wearing rose-colored glasses and wanted to see something good? It's all all the, um, it's a seven-person cast. They're all women. There are no men in this movie. That's kind of cool. Like, mm-hmm. um, and I, I don't know. I'm, I don't know. Like, Because there's things in the beginning that I was cringing at. Um, and there's some dialogue that you're like, oh, not, women don't really talk this way. But keep, go through all of it. I, there's something there. And, and I, okay. I want to talk more about it. Um, all right. And then I did have a recommend. Did you have a recommend? If not, I'll table that recommend for next. Uh, I'll table I that don't really. For next. Yeah, I don't really have it. I didn't all think right. about it. That's okay. So let's talk about The Turning. Okay. All right. So we watched it last night. Uh, rented okay. this from Netflix. Okay. Um, and so how do I feel about it? I don't know how I feel about it. I feel like there was a great movie in there. I think... It's a really well-directed movie. Um, I think those those two kids are amazing. Um, that little little girl was in Florida Project, and yep, she is adorable and natural and charming, and is gonna has a big career ahead of her. Finn Wolfhard is magic. Love him. And, Love him. Oh, he's. And I think that part of my and Brad and I had very different frustrations with it in the end. He felt he, he just felt he's like there was so much good there. Um, for him, he just felt like it didn't satisfy him it didn't answer anything it just and so for him and the fact that it clearly could have been very good or very like that it had so much potential for him was just he said he just keeps getting angrier about it the more he thinks about it for me where I think um I'm getting like more like sour on it is also the potential but in a different way like and part of it is you and I had talked about it the 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 thing between um, Finn Wolfhard and Mackenzie Davis. Yeah. That, I want that movie. Yeah. And yeah. I think you could read it so many different ways, and we are going to spoil things, so if you haven't seen it, come back. Like, was he, um, what, was he abused by Quint? Was he an, uh, was he a good kid who was being turned? Um, is any of this real? Like, yeah. yeah. The, is any of it real thing? Yeah. I think so. I only saw it once. Again, this is another one where I had a very specific, um, f- like, relationship with my first viewing of the okay. movie, and I'm ner- I'm nervous to watch it again. But I own it now, and there's like the alternate ending, which I'm bizarrely curious about. But I remember I walked away feeling like it wasn't real, and this was um, watching yeah. a a woman's descent into yes. a poor state of mental health and especially because her mother mm-hmm. um oh, played by the lovely Julie Richardson always happy to see her show yes. up and thanks her mother was struggling with it and I feel like there's a lot of things to like kind of indicate that like she's not doing well and, and she's maybe having a interaction or relationship with things that aren't there but I do think that she everything is super real to her which is important to the narrative. Um, and I do, like, I need to, like I said, I need to watch it again. My mom had a really interesting take on it 
um, that that Mackenzie Davis wasn't even real, that it was all Jolie Richardson, like, living mm. out something. Okay. I was like, what the fuck, Ma? Like, good okay. for you. I, like, I can I didn't see pick up I'll on, take that. I didn't pick up on that that at all. But, like, I really I really do feel like I need to, to watch it again. Um, I do feel... I'm not mad at something that's not explicit about what it's about. And yeah. I think that that is something that that pissed people off quite a bit. Right. I do not understand how people said with a straight face that this was the worst movie they'd ever seen. Oh, fuck or that. Yeah. The worst movie of the year or um, a one out of 10. I don't yeah. understand. Cinema I don't, score. Yeah. I don't under I don't understand that. And it makes me sad in a very real way because it makes me hurt for what um, people expect from art. I, I don't, I don't, I don't understand it. Well, and and even not- because even if you are somebody who really like if an if an ending isn't satisfying, you hate the movie. How can you look at the score of this movie, the, oh, the art direction of this movie, the filming yep. of it, that the gorgeous manner and what they do with it, some some really good jump scares, and those performances? How can you take all of that and say this is the worst movie? Like, no, like fuck you if you, you're saying that because you're wrong. There, it's there is so great filmmaking, and I think that's what hurts me more about it is that this could have been a great movie. There, there are. She, um, she is clearly a good director. She is working with great elements at her disposal. Is it the script? Is it the studio changing things or making certain things not there? It just, I, it feels like it's one where I want a two-hour director's cut or I want an interview where she's like, well, here's what originally we were supposed to do. Yeah, I have to look at my, my Blu-ray. I don't think there's a director's cut, but like I said, there is that alternate ending. And if you watch the trailer... Oh um, yeah, it's it's part of it. It's in there. It's the spider out of the mouth. Yeah, there's stuff missing. Like, yeah. so clearly there's stuff missing. Um, it still has a three point eight on IMDb. What Which is, is bullshit? Yeah. What is on. going on? So then, like, there's this. You don't want to. We talked about this kind of before we started recording. I don't ever want to be the person that's like making big bold proclamations. But it's really hard for me to not see like female lead female director yeah. ambiguous ending and, and pg-13 sexism. yeah and see sexism because it's really hard for me like i can name 150 worse movies than this sure. without without having we've to probably talked about them today <laughs> like I, I just like i'm i okay i think that there's a difference between like this is the worst movie I've ever seen to this movie wasn't for me. And, and I'm increasingly having an issue with people um, presenting opinions about art as fact. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Like art is malleable. Art is different. Art is interpretive. For me, this is, this is one of the best horror movies I've ever seen. I get that that's not the case for everybody and that's fine. I will never tell you that it is the best movie ever made because Mm -hmm. I'm not, I'm not I have I'm under no illusions. I get that it won't work for everybody, but there are people out there that perpetrate like like it is bad and that's a fact, yeah. which is which is wild. So my mom was like I wanted to see it and then I heard all this bad stuff about it. And I said, "Oh, but you're still going to go see it, right?" And she's like, "Well, I don't know. Maybe I'll just wait for it." And I was like, "No, no, no. It's very yeah. good. You will like it. You have to go see it." And my mom said to my stepfather, I, I want to go see, I I do want to go to the theater to see this. And he said, oh, I heard it was terrible. And my mom said, well, Christine says it was good. 
And he's like, well, why would you trust Christine if everybody's saying it's bad? And I was like, well, why? If everyone's saying it's bad and then I'm saying it's good, why are their opinions more right, right. Ca- carry more weight? So there's these people, and this is the this is the this is film critics and people who are in a position to have eyes on their opinions. I think that sometimes they do it irresponsibly. Yeah, to say something sure. sucks is different than saying it didn't work for me, and here are the reasons, mm-hmm. so that you can make your own decision. Because I do think that other people's opinions about this colored the reception and reaction. Oh, completely. Yeah. Um, yeah, and I mean, think there there are lists to be made of movies that got such an unfair shake because of that initial reaction by critics. I yeah. mean, The Shining is one, really. The Shining ended up being successful eventually, but it was a mm-hmm. bomb when it came out because critics hated it. Yep. And yes, that does often happen with very with movies that are centered on and about women. Because yep. most film critics that are published are still male and the louder voices. And, and I yeah. mean, you're, you know, there, there's, there is certainly a large contingent out there of females in the horror uh, blogosphere and such, but most of your websites are still pretty dudes. And, you know, you, you rarely get that same shake. You'll, you'll still hear sure. Babadook is underrated, is overrated more than you'll, you'll hear it follows is overrated. You know yeah. what I mean? Um, yeah. And so it's with you, yeah. and I don't think women are a monolith. So I don't think that if you're a female critic or a female horror fan that saw this and you didn't like it, I don't think that there's something wrong. I don't think we all have to like sure. stuff, but I do think that it's clear that there's feminine fingerprints on this. Right. Then, and we've yeah. talked about this before. Sometimes when things are earnest or feminine or differently centered or through a different lens, people will take that as it being bad. Yes. Just because it's different and they're not used to it. Because we, there are formulas and there are beats and there are voices that we respect and we think are of quality. And when something deviates, the, the gut reaction is this is not of quality. Mm-hmm. And I've done it myself. I've watched some, like, Romancing the Stone. We, we mm-hmm. watched Romancing the Stone and I was like, I don't get this. And then I watched it again and I was like, this is, a, this is the best movie. Because it had different beats, it was it had different character relationships, and you don't sometimes if you're not ready for that, you view it as something as a detractor, not right. a plus. Yeah. So I'm very passionate about. This. I understand. Yeah. <laughs> um, the DVD, the Blu-ray has alternate ending, deleted scenes, and like a behind the scenes thing. No commentary. So I, no, it doesn't oh, look darn. that way. That would be nice. Yeah. So I am going to revisit it with all the deleted stuff and the alternate ending soon. I wish I could speak more intelligently about it right now because it, it has been a while since mm-hmm. I've seen it. Um, I just know that I liked it and ambiguity doesn't, I get why ambiguity would bother people yeah. or would be not satisfying. I think there's a difference between being unsatisfied by ambiguity and immediately assuming it, it was bad. Yeah. I think um, because I, I can love great ambiguity and I can forgive bad ambiguity. Like, and Yellow Brick Road is always my go-to example of that. I think Yellow Brick Road is a wonderful, scary horror movie. And I don't like the ending. I don't get the ending. I have watched it more than once. I've read about it. I still don't understand what happens. And to me, that is a negative. But it doesn't ruin the movie for me because there's 100 minutes that are great. Um, with the turning where I think I'm going to be a little harder on it 
is that it's not just the ending. It's that the ending... I, I, the ending isn't just the ending. The ending is connected to the entire movie, I think, right? Is this, this isn't a case where it's like, oh yeah, at this point, things, things go that way. It's, I think more, no, you were actually watching this movie the whole time. And I don't know that the movie I saw gave me those, uh, not clues, but if I were to go, and I could be wrong, but if I were to go and rewatch it, I don't know that I would see... And I'm thinking of like, you know, the movie Identity, for an example, right? Which most people know by now, spoiler alert, Identity with John Cusack. Um, It's all in a character's head. Everything we're seeing, all the characters are manifestations of his personalities, blah, blah. And you can watch it and you maybe you saw that coming. Or when you go and watch it the second time, you're like, oh, okay, yeah, there's that, there's that. They gave it, it's all there. With this movie, I don't know that any of that's there. Um... And I think the biggest part of that is who are these two children? You have the little girl who can't leave. And I feel like that's, that means something, but I don't know the movie gives you anything of what it actually means. And you have this boy that is fascinating and I want a movie about him. And, you know, this weird sexual tension and this, this energy of, of what he is. But I don't know that, that that if I rewatch it with it's all in her head and she's going crazy well still what is are these just details that are in there maybe I don't need to make sense of them but it feels like they're so specific that I'm supposed to I will say you're not you're not wrong you're never wrong because you're (laughs) you establish that but you but like you're not you're not wrong at all and I get what you're saying but this is kind of like what I was saying about the lodge Mm. like it's it's about what it's about and all the things are just what they are okay but i think i think that for me again i have to rewatch it and with stuff missing we don't if there are deleted scenes we don't know those could be important like to narratively there, um, the ones on the dvd like, are not i can tell you that because we did watch them um okay. but again i feel like there's more that was cut from that movie yeah ugh, that's a bummer yeah. but like um i feel like every story but our main protagonist is extremely straightforward and there's nothing strange about it at all. I feel like it's just got the light of strangeness shown on it because of the movie that it's in. But I feel, I think it might just be very straightforward. Mm -hmm. That's possible. So I think, and I did try to game this movie while I was watching it. I was like, all right, what is happening? Who is it? So maybe like it's an, and I did that with the lodge too. I kept trying to figure out the lodge, but then I realized there was nothing to figure out and the narrative was literally what it was. Mm. And I was like, oh, <laughs> okay, well, I should calm down and just enjoy this. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I can't wait to rewatch it now. Yeah, I can't wait to hear you after you rewatch it because I'm curious if you'll be able to um, explain anything um, or not or, and and what your, your takeaway on second viewing is going to be. I'm, I'm really excited to hear that. Yeah, me too, because now that you're talking about it, you're right, like, um, the girl can't leave, but they say it's because her parents were in a crash, and Finn, Finn's character is just, like, a terrible boy, but, like, maybe she really just has PTSD about her parents dying, and he's really just a terrible boy. Maybe there's literally nothing more than that. Right, right. I don't know. I'm Now I really, I'm like, want to watch it right now. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I, I want you to, because I... It, it's it, the frustrating thing for me was just how good it was yeah. and then how how 
how much I walk away saying, but I don't know what it was about. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. Interesting. Well, I'm glad you watched it. Oh, me too. Yes. And I don't think it's a one out of ten, so I'm glad that you... No, No, fuck that. (laughs) Oh, my. Well... Did we do it? We did it. Um, yeah. There, there's one we didn't talk about that I'm going to save for next time to have as my recommendation. Um, I got to get a recommendation. So I'm going to. So it'll be something to look forward to. Uh, I don't know what we'll do next. If we're going to jump back into season two of Masters of Horror, if we're going to go with a movie, what we're going to do, I don't know. It's it's a wild world out there. People who can say. Oh, uh, I thought we were going to jump back in. To... Are you ready to jump back in? Yeah. Okay. All right, then that's what we're doing. So when we next meet, it's Masters of Horror season two. Woo! Yeah, it's a. I'm just very. I again. I there's so many I haven't seen. It will be a new world. We have a lot to to go through. So yeah, it and it ended terribly, but maybe it'll be better. Uh, we'll find out. I have nothing, nothing to predict. So, <laughs> what a world! What a world! Uh, again, as everybody survives this, all be safe, be smart, wear a mask, be respectful. Uh, anything else I'm missing there? Uh, I don't know. I'll see you later. Yeah. Bye, folks. Bye. Don't change a hair for me.